Yeah, just uh, slept really good last night, shockingly. I, I haven't been really sleeping well. I think I got one of those smart meters outside my apartment. So, oh, Jesus. yeah, I mean, we, we could go all day about that, but... Um, Cooking your brain. Yeah, right? Yeah. They put them all over the place, and I see them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yesterday, my girlfriend's cooking while I got the microwave going, and her brain is five inches away from the way i'm like do you know what's going on right now with all that and she's like what what's wrong i'm just like oh my god <laughs> like where do i start yeah but yeah man all right let's see all right i got the audio going and then i woke up a little early this morning just so i could put together um my thoughts because there's a lot I want to discuss with you, man. I mean, you... I mean, there's there's basically two guys that I agree with the most in this whole movement. And that's you and Max Egan. I mean, I feel, <laughs> I feel like with you guys, like, I agree with you guys on so much. Like, every podcast you put out, I'm just like, nailed it. Fucking... And then Max Egan puts out a show, I'm like, nailed it. Thank you. I'm in agreement on the Max Egan thing. You know what's funny is... You know, have you ever heard of Joy Camp? Joy Camp. It sounds familiar. It's a group of guys. <clears throat> They're all actors, and they would do these little uh, comedy bits, like five-minute videos, kind of like what, like if you you know who J.P. Sears is, the redheaded guy with like the long ponytail. Yes, yes, yes. Things and 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 the and Ryan, what's his name in New York, who does the kind of like woke comedy that's like it's a it's a parody of of the insanity. Well, Joy Camp is like that, too. Uh, they've been doing it for years, and their videos are fucking hysterical. And Benny Wills is one of the four guys in that group. Okay. And, um, and he's, a, he's a fantastic guy. He's a, he was an actor. He's, he was the host of, like, Red Pill Expo. He's the host of Anarchapulco and everything. I mean, he's, he's, he's a good dude. So um, I met him, and we became friends, and he invited me to his wedding. And that was uh, last – not this – October, but last October, and I didn't know anybody there. And at this wedding, um, I got—I mean, I didn't know anybody there personally, but I knew who some of the people were because I recognized them. I got seated next to Richard Gage from Architects and Engineers. Oh my God! And I literally had a chapter in my book about um, that was titled "Architects and Engineers for 9/11 Truth." So I talked. Richard and I are friends, but now, but I talked his ears off. I felt so bad about it, but. About halfway through the wedding reception, I went outside and smoked a joint with Max Egan. <laughs> no way! That's so badass. And I got so fucked up from it. I wow. Because I was afraid I was going to embarrass myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that's yeah, so badass. He's a, he's a, he's like a, he's like a fucking shaman or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's like, like he's got that. That like elder energy, where yes. he's seen it all and been through it all and has thought it all and has, you know, has had 
conversations about it all, and, and I love him too. And he's and, and he's as cool in part, you know, in real life as he as he is as you would hope he would be. You yeah, know, disappointed and... if you found out you're like, oh my god, Max Egan's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> he's totally right. Nice. He's, he's just you know he shows he's at the wedding. He's he's like Benny Benny Will's like one of their closest friends. And, oh, okay. Uh, he played guitar and everything at the wedding ceremony. It was really nice. Wow. But I'm flattered that you put me in a in a category with Max Egan because I feel the same way about him. Yeah, man. I mean, I just I listen to you guys and I I just agree with you guys the most. I mean, the guy that I listen to the most is Sam from Tinfoil Hat because he was my he was my wake up uh, experience because I was I used to listen to Joe Rogan a lot and I really valued his podcast and I kind of want to talk to talk to you about him later on um, because. I mean, dude, he has just taken a total nosedive, in my opinion, with, you know, Peter Hotez and all these clowns that he has on. Yeah. And so... I mean, I'm tired of seeing Mike Baker on Joe Rogan. Oh, my God. And then he... And then... uh, I was listening to his one with uh, Dave Chappelle and... And uh, the other Donnell. guy, and you, and Donnell, yeah, Donnell Rollins. About the vaccine, dude. And Donnell was he was saying some truth, and then I know he was. yeah, and then Joe was just like, oh, but I had Mike Baker on, and he says that there's no way. I'm just like, oh my god, Joe. And you know, I love how they bring on Mike Baker as like the all-American guy. You know, he's got a kid named Muggsy, and he's just a fucking fishing guy, and up in Wyoming, you know, it's just like, oh, give me a fucking break with the CIA fucking cover story bullshit, you know? Bully, man, it's so funny. I'll be on tinfoil hat on Tuesday. Well, no shit. Recorded on Tuesday, but then we'll. I don't know. I was talking to Sam about it yesterday. He said, "Come do it. Let's do it Tuesday." I'm like, "You had me scheduled for Wednesday, but then your booker canceled it because he didn't want it. You, he said you didn't want to do anything over Thanksgiving break." He's like, "Ah, oh, fuck my booker. Let's do it on Tuesday." I'm like, "Then let's do it on Tuesday. I don't care." <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, man. That's that's how I first found you was on Tinfoil Hat. Uh, so I was listening to Joe Rogan, and then he had Eddie Bravo on, and they start, and you know, Eddie starts going off about flat Earth or something. And Joe kept cutting him off, telling him to stop talking about it. I'm just like, I want to hear more about this. And this was back in like 2016 or 2017. And then uh, he's like, he's like, ah, well, I was just on Tinfoil Hat. So if you like, if if you want to listen to that, then you can. So I'm just like, well, Tinfoil Hat. So then I searched, and then I found Sam. And then the first episode I listened to was actually uh, um, the Propaganda Report, Monica Perez and and Brad Binkley. And so I had them on already, and that was a great conversation. I was on their show last week. I don't yep, know and I listened to it, and I was just oh, like, God. I was like, fuck yes, dude, because again, like more people that I like completely love the propaganda report. They're so good, and they're such good researchers. Yeah. Like I, I, I just had to talk to them. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to keep up, you know, with all these other people out there, like great researchers and guys that have amazing podcast you know talking to sam about that yesterday we had like a real we don't we don't talk all that often but we, we do the union of the unwanted show together you know so yeah but but last yesterday afternoon we talked for like 45 minutes and we, we were getting into it about all of of the shows about podcasting in general and he was saying he's like dude he's like i keep getting approached by people with a shitload of money 
that are interested in being involved in investing in podcasts and everything. I was like, well, where are these? I don't know these people. Fucking introduce me. You know what I mean? He's like, <laughs> he's like there's a lot of money flowing into podcasts. He's like, he's like, he's like everybody that's doing it and doing it, you know, right, right now. They're in the right spot because things are happening uh, in, in that world. I was like, well, as long as as long as it's not like a trap, you know, to get you to where you can't, you know, you go to work for Spotify or someplace and then they censor what you're saying, you know, as long, yeah. as, it's, as, long as they keep let you, you know, continue to do that. I'm interested in making some money from this, but, but, you know, but his show's huge, you know, tinfoil hat is like number I don't know. Last time I saw on Chartable, it was like in the top forty of of comedy in the U.S., which is like the toughest segment to crack to crack into. And he's doing really well. So yeah, no, I mean, and, and uh, I don't agree with Sam <laughs> on some of his shit because I feel like I feel like he's a he's a covert Q guy, but then he you know he he's like oh but i'm not a trump tard like trump's done a bunch of bad things but if you look at q and i'm just like Ugh. i'm just like come on sam but i mean he's he's hilarious and he did an episode about um what is it jp cooper or db cooper db cooper yeah. yeah he just did an episode on that and he had me i was i was driving in my truck uh for work and I almost ran myself off the road. I was crying because I was laughing so hard at what the shit he was saying on that episode. I saw that it was up. I saw. I saw that it was. It was up now, but I, I haven't. I haven't watched it yet. Oh my god, it's so funny. <laughs> he was just. <laughs> he was just like a, a, the fucking. The guy, D.B. Cooper, is just like, I have a bomb. And Sam's like, could you imagine being the guy next to him? <laughs> just be like, what? <laughs> oh, dude, I was laughing my ass off. But yeah, so you were on Tinfoil Hat. And then, um, like, what what got me? Because you were being interviewed for Octopus, Octopus of Global Control. Right. And um, you were talking about the Smith Modernization Act and how it, like, it legalized propaganda and how the government could use propaganda against us. And, like, mind you, I'm new into all of this stuff. I mean, I... I've explored alternative ways of thinking, and when when Trump got elected, one of the guys that I follow, his name's uh, Zachary Hubbard, um, he posted like a 9-11 doc to his thing. He's like, impeach and arrest 9-11 insider Donald Trump. So then I watched that, and I was just mind blown. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, 9-11 was a false flag, and then I started watching things about lizard people, and then I was just like, this is too fucking weird. This is too fucking freaky. I'm like, I can't. I'm like, I just put all that shit to the side. <laughs> so, so uh, there's, there's various degrees of this stuff, you know. I mean, oh yeah. You can go down the lizard people rabbit hole, and it's fun and it's exciting, and it may be, you know, listen, man, it may be the. I don't know if you ever watched the, or saw the Howard Stern interview with uh, Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins. But Billy Corgan tells Howard Stern this insane story of being at a party at one of these record label douchebag parties in Hollywood and turning around and the guy standing right next to him who's looking right at him turned into a reptilian and turned back into a person. And he's like, I just, I can't explain what I saw. And that's what I saw. And I wasn't drunk and I wasn't high and I wasn't making it up and I wasn't, he said this, this guy just had this look, this smirk on his face, and he turned and looked at him. This guy changed, shape-shifted into a reptilian for like three seconds and then turned back 
and gave him a little nod, and and he said he was just shitting himself. Like, and it was, he's like, I, I can't explain. I just can't explain. Oh my I god! I no, I never heard that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and he he he, you know, he explains it in the best way you could if something like that happened to you, which is, I'm not crazy. I don't know how to explain it. I know what I saw. That's what I saw. You know. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, like that was I mean, that was still when YouTube was a platform where you could find those kinds of videos and yeah. not something like uh lizard people debunked or lizard people uh conspiracy theorists crazy or like you know right. all that kind of stuff. You could just go down the rabbit hole and find one after another like there was this news reporter like in Savannah, Georgia or some shit, black guy and then uh you know, it's where the bug flies into his mouth. He's like, oh, shit. I, watch the intro to my podcast. Yes. The video intro. If you watch the video intro to my podcast, I took a clip from that from that news article, that, you're, that, that news report that you're talking about. It, it, it's a, it's a, a website called Melody Sheep. And in Melody Sheep, they took two different reports. They took... And, and they auto-tuned it. It was two different reporters, both black guys. Uh, one guy, that, that guy in Savannah, Georgia, with the bug flies in his mouth. And then another guy who's uh, a weatherman reporting in Houston. And he's a black guy, and he's standing on a bridge, and he's pulling on his tie, and he's, and he's talking about the traffic. And they auto-tuned it and put music into it, and it's this hilarious song. So if you, if you search Melody Sheep, WTF, you'll see the video. And I used a clip from that video in my intro. Uh, so I know exactly what you're talking okay. about. Okay. But he said, what happened here in Savannah, Georgia was like, motherfucker. Motherfucker. Man, I'm tired of this. And the other one is, is, is a guy, and you could tell it was filmed like in the 80s or something. And he's pointing at the traffic, and he's saying, you know, in Houston, you know, city the size of Houston, there's always traffic. And he says, so what's the big fucking deal? What the fuck are we doing out here? And they, they auto-tuned it, and it's fucking hysterical. I'm saying, look it up. <laughs> I'm definitely going to check it out, man. Yeah. All right, let's start recording. Or else we'll, I'll, we'll be bullshitting with you forever. <laughs> oh, I mean, I've been recording. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, took a, I, took a, I took a page out of um, uh, Ricky because I just had him on. Ricky just starts recording. That, the, the, the last time I was on with Ricky... Our interview went two days. It was a two-day interview. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we were talking about sports and all kinds of stuff for like an hour. And then he's like, all right, now I want to get on the topic that we really want to talk about. I was like, okay. He's like, shit, I, I, don't, I don't know if I have enough time. And, and he's like, can we do like the rest of it tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, of course. So it's funny because Ricky, Ricky always says I'm uh, – he's like – you know, I talk a lot. I talk a lot, which he doesn't really talk talk as much as maybe he thinks he does. But but we just started talking about all kinds of bullshit. And next thing you know, we we were like, oh, we have to record the rest of this another time. <laughs> so. You know, dude. I mean, as as a listener of Ricky's, <laughs> I feel like he talks as much as he thinks he does. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, dude. Sometimes sometimes it's just like Ricky, please let the guests like fucking talk but i mean like i love ricky to death and we had a great conversation but i mean he he's you know he's a five-tool player you know what i'm talking about he can talk about anything under the sun i mean i didn't expect uh for us to talk about 
like ketosis and diet for an hour of our podcast. The first hour was just all about diet and like psychotropic drugs and ketosis and all of this stuff. I was just like, damn, I, I wasn't expecting that. I had a whole list of questions I wanted to ask him, but we really didn't get to any of it in two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, I get it. I mean, I understand. I, 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 I can talk to Ricky for, for hours. I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was actually in your guys's conversation. Um, he was like, someone was bringing it up to me. He's like, I can't remember who I was talking to, but they were talking about like Edward Snowden and he doesn't, uh, believe in chemtrails so like they just throw the baby out with the bathwater. i'm like that was me i said that and he like it was you it was your guys's conversation but i'm just like ricky that's not what i said because i was <laughs> we were just talking about how uh edward snowden was on joe rogan's podcast and how i thought that how i think that edward snowden is kind of a uh like a patsy or you know like there's people that think that he was in the CIA and then he went over to the NSA to like screw with them and stuff like that and then um you know he went on Joe Rogan's podcast and was just like fucking chemtrails aren't real this isn't real that's bullshit I'm just like dude there's documentable evidence that we've been doing chemtrails since the 60s in Vietnam John Brennan is sat in front of a, a panel and admitted it on camera aerosol injections or yeah. whatever he called it yeah so I was just like what are you talking about so that's obvious blatant disinfo and like so, yeah. He he exposed the NSA and all of that. But then what I told Ricky was, and it, uh, Ricky, love you, man. But um, what I told Ricky was, I was reading this article that laid it out pretty clearly that Edward Snowden was actually kind of like a like a bait and switch move. What he was doing with the NSA and the CIA was um. So the, the NSA only had like 22 people who could access everybody's cameras and stuff like that. And obviously, don't want that. We don't want anyone accessing our cameras and our private information and data and all of, this, all of these things. But what Edward Snowden was in favor for was a bill that allowed tech companies to now ha have those powers of the NSA. So now it's thousands of people. Oh, thank you. Yeah, exactly. So I was just like, dude, Edward Snowden, complete piece of shit, complete bait and switch. I'm like, fuck him. That's why I don't like him. It wasn't because he doesn't believe in chemtrails. I mean, like, good, he exposed the NSA to, like, the broader America and everything like that. But he didn't expose any new information. I mean, that yeah, stuff was it, already out. It was a limited hangout. I mean, they, they, there was, there was, it, it was, it was eye-opening well, it's a limited hangout in the same way the Epstein case sort of is too. It's oh, yeah. like for the norm, for the as Corbett calls them, like the normies, right? They're like, holy shit, the NSA is spying on us. But for people that have been, you know, involved in this sort of thing, they're like, of course they are. I mean, they that that they didn't tell us anything we didn't already know. And same with Epstein. Epstein is like all that. Like the average person is like, holy shit, there's a, they're running sexual blackmail operation rings. Like I never heard about any of that. And it's like. This has been going on for decades, and this guy in <laughs> yeah. particular has been doing it for decades as well. So, so you know, welcome to the party. So it's like I'm grateful for an Edward Snowden or somebody that you know that you know that Epstein gets into the news for all this stuff. I'm glad that it wakes up a lot of people to what's going on. But by no means is this supposed to be meant to be like a full understanding of of how the security state works, like with the NSA, like. Edward Snowden told us some things, but he didn't tell us anything that guys like us didn't already know. Yeah. Um, 
and same with the Epstein case. It's like, I'm glad you're up to, I'm glad you now recognize that this happens. I'm glad you know that our security uh, services, come, you know, like the CIA, don't have a problem using children as bait for uh, sexual entrapment operations. They have no problem doing that. So um, congratulations on being aware of that. But now you need to go into, now you need to really get into the Epstein case if you want to understand how it all works. Now you got to get deep into it and you'll start to find that it's way darker than you think. So I'm grateful that that these people are, these conversations are at least happening. And and that's, that's where I felt on the Q thing as well, which is I'm not a Q person. I'm not into it at all. I think it's a LARP and everything. But I will tell you this. If it gets normal people into thinking and seeing this conspiratorial stuff, I'm in favor of that. Where I lose my – where I'm not in favor of it is that they're immediately redirected to the Republican Party as like – Oh, and it pacifies them. It's like yeah. it, wait for the plan. Trust the plan. Trump's going to take like care that. of us. The storm is coming. It's like give me yeah. a break. Yeah, that was all stuff – to me that was all – um, instructions to sit back and, and do nothing. Yep. And I don't like that. If, if I, I feel like um, the instruction should be uh, get involved, do something. It should be the opposite of sit back and trust the plan. It should be get the fuck up and, and do something about this. But that wasn't what it was, so that, all, that obviously threw me off. But, like, the premise, like, the initial part of, like, people waking up that there's government fuckery going on, I'm in favor of all that. I'm in favor of people waking up to that however they get to the party – get to the party but by no means should people be thinking that they're getting a full story by understanding q or by reading the new york post story on jeffrey epstein or by you know reading the guardian story on on edward snowden like there's more to all these things there yeah this is just surface level stuff so congratulations you're wake you know to people you're waking up but don't start thinking just because you you follow q that you you understand how all this shit works because if you understood how this all works you wouldn't be following q <laughs> oh yeah you know and and there's stages like you said earlier um there's stages to the waking up process like when i was first getting into all of this like i said i mean it was like lizard people and uh anunnaki and like all of that stuff and i was like oh this is all so cool like this is definitely real and then you know, you do a little more research and you're like, I don't really fuck with the Anunnaki stuff and like stuff like that. And so like, I feel like for Q people, hopefully they take that leap where it's like, and that's what I think will be really interesting. Like, I want to hear all these people who've been promoting Q and touting Q and all that stuff. If, if Trump just does take it up the tailpipe and step down and the and the investigations don't go anywhere, which I don't think will happen. I mean, I, I feel like Trump's coming back. I, I feel like biden's not going to be president one way or another they want mass chaos and i feel like the only way for that to happen is trump to be in office and a lot of the stuff that he ushered in in during his presidency like red flag gun laws taking the guns first uh doing trial second and all all these things it pacified the republican party way more than hillary clinton ever could because if she tried to do any of that shit, there would have been riots outside of the White House, a million sure. strong Republicans toting guns. But since yep. Trump did it, nobody nobody raises a stink. Yeah, that's how they do it. They have the left, the left president goes in and does a bunch of shit, and fucks with the left, and, and they don't. They, they're it's their guy. He's their guy, like Obama, so they don't complain about it. And then the right, the president on the right, like Trump, comes in and fucks with people on the right, but they don't complain about it either, like you said, because he's their guy. 
But if the left guy tried to do what Trump did, or the right person tried to do what Obama did, there'd be they'd be up in arms about yep. this. How dare you? How dare you? But it's like you, you know you, you you get into an argument, and people say hey, fuck Trump, and, and look, I'm no Trump supporter. I'm not on either one of these teams. I'm yep, pretty clear about that. But people come up and they say fuck Trump, and he's putting kids in cages and blah blah blah, and you're like, who built the cages? Mm-hmm. Obama did. Okay, so. Like, I agree. Kids in cages doesn't not good, not good optics, not good everything. But let's not pretend that it's only one side, you know. So that's where I get in the problem with with the hardcore left or or even the hardcore Q guys too. It's like it's like what you're saying about the other side may be true that they're reprehensible scumbags. In fact, it's probably true, but. Just don't forget that your team is run by scumbags as well. And and that's where I have the, pro- the biggest problem is when it's like the right, left, and everything, when they're like, that side is crooked and that side's dirt. Joe Biden is stealing this election with their voting machines. He probably is. He probably is. But let's not pretend like the Republicans wouldn't do this shit too. Oh, <laughs> because yeah. They need to. They have a candidate that's packing you know, stadiums or, or people for Trump. Trump is doing, I mean, look, say what you want about the guy, but the guy packed it, you know, mm-hmm. he had support. He had enthusiasm behind him. Joe Biden couldn't get eight people to show up at his rally. And you're expecting me to believe he got 80 million votes. Get the fuck out of here. That's crazy. Yeah. That total bullshit. Happen. Yeah. That's impossible. Statistically. It's just, this, this, and, and then 130 something thousand votes come in at three 30 in the morning in Michigan. And they're yep. all for Biden. Look, man, this is the, these are statistical impossibilities. There is there's something going on now. Am I? I don't know. I'm not there. I'm not counting the votes. I'm not involved in the vote counting machine. But but my feeling on that on that whole election count recount stuff is whether you're on the left or the right, you should want this. You should want them to do everything they need to do to go through this election and make sure that everything is fair and as clean as possible. Because what will happen if you don't do that? Is that if you're Biden and you just pretend that you're president and just say president-elect's office, uh, you know, from the office of president-elect, even though that doesn't exist, and you, you do all these things, there's going to be a huge segment of the population that's never going to believe that you're the real president. And you're going to have to deal with that for the next four years. So if you didn't steal this election, if you're Joe Biden and left and you didn't steal this election, then you should say, come on in, check everything, check the machines, check this, check that, check – Fuck you guys. You guys think we stole it? We didn't steal it? You come in. Then I'm going to shut you up for good. But they're not doing that. Mm-hmm. They're saying, nothing to see here. Don't talk about it. If you talk about this, we'll silence you on social media. That is a, that's the response you get when you're trying to cover something up. That's oh, yeah. not the response you have when you when you are confident in what has transpired. That, that's it. That's so I want the duly elected per- – look, I don't fucking care one way or the other. Let's be honest. But, but I do want – I don't want someone in there who stole it, uh, and, and I think that I think that the Biden campaign, it's. I look at their behavior. Their behavior was like, the the last month of of, of the campaign. They didn't act like they had any sense of urgency. They did, they didn't weren't concerned that nobody was showing up at their rallies. They called lids on all the press stuff, but even for, for like a week at a time, once the Hunter Biden laptop stuff came at out at nine thirty in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At nine thirty in the morning. Yeah, this is crazy. So it's like, well, uh, once again, 
it doesn't prove anything. There's nothing scientific about this. But I'm just saying that from an observer's standpoint, that's inconsistent with how you would behaving if you're like, we've got one month left of this election. We've been working our ass off. We got to sprint to the finish line. Let's have as many rallies as we can. Get as many. I want to get on every TV show. I can, I want to talk to the nation. I want to do everything I can. Cram it all in. Let's now or never. They didn't do any of that. They hid. They hid from the press. They did. Nobody showed up at their events. They stopped having them. And then you're going to get 80 million people. Fuck that. And that. That. I'm sorry. Yeah. That just you. That can't. You're going to get 8 million more people to vote for you than voted for Obama? Yeah. And Obama was like a rock star. Chocolate Jesus. Yeah. He was out there, and everyone was like, even people on the right were like, man, I don't know who this guy, I'm not voting for this guy, but man, he is packing stadiums. I remember being a kid and just watching Obama's speeches and like tearing up like, dude, this guy is the shit. Like, we need to get Obama in. And then the night he was elected, my mom, who's like a staunch Republican, is just like, it's an abomination. <laughs> just like, good one, mom. But I, like, I always thought that Barack Obama was like, dude, like, this is exactly what we need. This is going to end racism. Like, this, this, like, we're just ushering in, like, almost like the golden years of America. Where, you know, there's going to be no more racism. We got a black president. You know, he says he's going to do all these things. And then none of that fucking happened. Citigroup fucking emails him and is like, this is who you're going to put in your fucking cabinet. And sure enough, they all get in the fucking cabinet. And then, you know, it's just business as usual. Yeah. And and that was a a wake-up call for a lot of people that thought, oh, this is going to be great. You know, I and, and, and I didn't. I didn't fully fall for that but i did think this was coming off of george w bush and we had had eight years of a guy that was you know partially lobotomized and and (laughs) had cheney running the show for him who's who's really scary dude and they were kicking off wars and 9-11 and all and so it was a transition out of that into something else and at that point people were like i don't care what else is coming i just want something else and it was like obama and then he came and talked about hope 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 well there's an interesting thing about hope it's always in the future it's never in the present Mm -hmm. you never have to actually deliver on it as long as hope is out there so he gave everybody hope he did that hope thing i'm gonna first thing i do literally on day one first thing i'm gonna do is close guantanamo bay really really where's that what happened you didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, what about, oh, I'm going to end all these wars. You, you, can, you can take that to the bank. Yeah, really? Which bank is that? The banks that you gave uh, $700 billion to? Goldman Tarp? Sachs, yeah. <laughs> or, the, or, the, or the banks that foreclosed on people's houses? Or the banks that pay you $400,000 to give a speech? Which banks would you like us to take it to? Uh-huh. You know, I mean, so it's like, he was, a, he was just a very good con man bullshit artist yep. and there's a lot of people that still don't believe that they still don't see that they think oh well you know he was Obama. he was a great unit unifier no he was great at talking about unifying people he was great at talking about that he was great at making you feel like he had your back and he was representing you but look at the things that he did mm-hmm. drop so many bombs on the middle east they ran out of bombs that sounds like a fake headline yeah but it's true they ran they had to they were had to scramble to make more bombs so it's like that's why Jeff Berwick calls him Barack Drone Bomber because he's 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 that's you know and then he goes in and says well it turns out that I I'm really good at killing people and you're like that's not something you're supposed to say out loud <laughs> yeah 
you know? And so, so you know, and then Trump comes, the great disruptor, right? And I'm, I'm in agreement with you. And puts two Goldman comes, Sachs execs in his fucking cabinet. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Disrupting, well, disrupting everybody else except never disrupting Wall Street, of course. We yep. can't do that. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it, it's fascinating for people to. Um, I like to watch when people get very enthusiastic about a candidate, and then I watch them over time, like over the course of that candidate's presidency. You know, and, and, and like after year two or year three, you say, "Hey, how you how you doing with your Obamas?" I don't know about this guy after all these years. I'm starting to think I might have made a made a colossal mistake. Oh, okay, okay. So you see when they, when when these people that get super enthusiastic about their guy and then they see what's re- really happening, they're like, oh, this is really disappointing. I thought he was better than that, or I thought this was going to be the change that we promised or hope that we promised, or and we just got more of the same, just repackaged and and, and now in, the, in a black face who. Who dresses well and looks nice and is is witty and seems smart and, and all these things. His only scandal was a tan suit. His only scandal was a tan <laughs> suit. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't have anything to do with ninety percent civilian deaths from all the drone strikes and things like that. No, none of that. So it's just a. It's a. It's. I, I tell you one thing. It's an interesting time to be watching all of this because it, it's like uh, people are getting rushed through, getting their. Uh, black belts and conspiracy research quicker than ever now oh yeah you, know, you, you see these things that everything is happening at like an accelerated pace and you're like you know there's almost too much to focus on especially in 2020 oh yeah and um yeah i mean like getting black belts i i was in uh i was working for fedex for a little over two years and you know it was i had you know six to ten hours a day just to cram podcasts into my brain and so i was just i like cleaned out the tinfoil hat uh archive and like just went through all of these shows and like diet and just like went down every single avenue and economics which i i want to uh i want to have a economics discussion with you in a second here okay cool. but um like getting into economics and health and nutrition and conspiracy and politics and all of these things. And it dude, like it was just earth shattering and, and to do all of this six to 10 hours a day, it's like every single day it was like a new paradigm was just exploded. And I I wanted to ask you about your like waking up process because I, I know it's like, tired and all that stuff but it's so interesting to me because like there's there's the npcs and the people with the fluoridated data brains and all that stuff and then then there's us like why why did we get to it is it just because we we were exposed to it in one way or another is because we we have those types of brains we're always searching for answers and stuff like that so i'm always interested to hear someone's waking up story yeah, I so I you know look I'd love to say that my waking up story was on the morning of September 11th 2001, but it wasn't. You know, mm-hmm. it took a couple years before I I, I sort of figured uh, that there was something more to that. Probably 2005, 2004, 2005 maybe. Um, right around to, that's right when I was getting into that. I think it was 2005. I was the 
the infamous Thanksgiving dinner where I brought up 9-11 and watched the table turn on me mm. at my in-laws house at the time. Uh, and, and it was not, it was not pretty. Uh, they, they did not appreciate me bringing it up. I didn't really have the facts straight and everything. Um, but I started to, from the financial component that woke me up, was reading John Perkins' book, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. And I read that in March of 2007. And that really changed my life because that opened up my brain to this possibility of how debt could be used as a weapon. Oh, yeah. And how the IMF and World Bank use that to enslave countries. And at the time that I read this book, I was uh, selling new homes in Las Vegas. And the market was just fucking booming it, we were the hottest second hottest market in the world behind dubai it was it was insanity and what i realized was that people were coming into me and trying to buy houses and i you know and they'd fill out like this quick little mortgage application that i would send over to the lender and there were guys that were like making ten dollars an hour and were trying to buy like four hundred thousand dollar homes and the and the they were getting approved for the mortgages and I was like god how is this happening like what <laughs> I couldn't figure it out you know I, I knew it was going to be bad I mean I assumed it was going to be bad for these people but I, I had sort of the same feeling that the buyer had which is well shit I guess you can afford it if they're giving you the loan like they wouldn't give you a loan if they really thought that you were going to default on it but what I later found out was that the banks and the mortgage industries had sort of the same scam going that the IMF and World Bank had, which is like extend credit to people that don't that that can't afford it, get them in a in a situation where they default, and then take back tangible assets from them. You know, when once they default, and I was like, oh my god, I'm like living this. I'm mm -hmm. living what John Perkins was talking about: Ecuador getting enslaved by the IMF and World Bank, and I'm watching my people, my client, my customers get mortgages given to them by fan, you know by by um countrywide <laughs> you know who who's run by angelo mozillo who damn near went to prison for for what he was doing with his his countrywide you know the the loans and the the, the scammery that was going that's on that's such there. a and shame like, damn near damn near yeah, went man. to prison you know fuck yeah, yeah it's so i i so i so that that so that kind of got me going on the financial side of it. And then once everything sort of uh, was in the process of collapsing, like 2009 um, and 2010, I took a job in where I was selling a, a mid-rise condo project that had got about half built. And then the banks took over it, as they obviously do all the time. And then I was brought in to sell it. But we were, we still had, there still was way more construction that needed to happen. So what was, what was going on was that I was stuck in a sales office for eight hours a day, kind of like you on the truck. Um, and I was watching YouTube videos. I was watching David Icke. I was watching Alex Jones. I was watching, you name it. I, I was watching, I was finally start. I was starting to get into Joe Rogan and, you know, and like Joe, I remember like people were like, well, you know. What do you like about Joe Rogan or anything? Like, I like that Joe Rogan is having a conversation with Duncan Trussell about jerking off into multiple dimensions <laughs> into, and what that would look like. And yeah. I was like, this is like the most insane, retarded conversation of all time. And I'm so 
into it. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was listening to that. So I started listening to Rogan, not that Rogan really red pilled me or anything like that, but I just, I liked that. I liked that he would have, you know, people on that were funny and they could talk about crazy shit, but I was getting into David Icke videos and I was, I was just, and then I was reading a lot and I had, I had time. So that started me down that path. And then of just trying to understand all this stuff. And I had no intention of doing anything with it. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I wasn't going to write or I didn't, I didn't even, it never crossed my mind. I was working in real estate. That's what I wanted to do. And, um, and then in like 2015 or so, uh, I was explaining to my mom some great conspiracy that I'd found. I was like, you, you got to hear this, you know, cause she's always very open-minded about this. And when I got done explaining it, she was like, what are you going to do? Like, that's great. What are you going to do about this? What, what, what's the plan? And I was like, damn, I don't know. I don't have a plan. I didn't know. What am I, I don't know. So I started thinking about it and I decided maybe I could, uh, I was, I was thinking that like so much of the, 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 the things that I had found that people had said, uh, in public, you know, that they were quoted as saying either on video or, or, or written, uh, written quotes. So much of this stuff I never heard before. I never heard people's talk about, I never heard, uh, George HW Bush talk about the new world order, like 200 times yeah. on camera and things like that. I didn't know about a lot of this stuff. So I, um, when I, when I was coming across all these quotes and things like, you know, like a prime example now is like, uh, Prince Philip saying that if he, when he dies, he wants to come back as a deadly virus to wipe out, uh, you know, to the population. And, and that's something that doesn't wind up on your nightly news, but, but that's something that is attributed to Prince Philip. I mean, apparently he said it. So I started like collecting all these quotes and that became the format of the octopus of global control. It became this book where I used all the quotes from people, uh, to paint this picture of what, what was really going on. And, 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 it, and, and I did that because I couldn't find these quotes ever on, on like mainstream media or anything like that. And I felt like, God, you know, it sure would, you know, it sure would change things. I mean, it sure would change my opinion about some of these people if I knew what they were actually saying. So that's that's how I came into it. And then as far as just like, and, and then the irony is that um, David Icke being like, uh, you know, a, a huge person that brought this information in, in, into my awareness and now my show is on David His Icke's network. platform. Yeah, that's so cool, man. Crazy to me, you know? <laughs> And, and I just love those guys over there at Iconic. They're they're phenomenal. So we, uh, yeah, it's just it's just a weird. It's been a weird trip. So I, I'm I'm only trying to do, I'm just trying to do what was done to me, which is wake people up. And someone woke me up with this interesting information, and um and I'm glad they did. It changed my life. It made me see things differently. It's been very you know it's very con confusing early on, as you probably know. But you get all this information. It's like oh God. First of all, it's like oh what do I do with it all? You know? And then it's like, God, some of this stuff I wish I didn't know. And then it's like, do I, well, that's a problem too. Because if I, if I start saying, I don't want to know things, then that's not good either. So then it's like, okay, I'm going to keep my mind open and accept all this information. But then it's like, how much of this information is even true? You know? And then you have to go through all that. Sift and I, but, and so I, I try to stick to the stuff that I can prove and stuff that, that, yep. is, that is real. But I'll be honest with you. I love to geek out and think about like if there's a hollow earth and stuff like that. Like, yep. I haven't read about it, but 
I'm fascinated with the secret space program. Mm-hmm. Like that stuff is interesting to me. So I'll I'll watch those videos and get into it. Now, does it mean that that I believe every single aspect of it? No, not necessarily. But 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 it, it's but I'm in, but it's it's like conspiracy junk food for me. Yeah. You know? Like I like it from time to time. It's really good to like think about. Hey, I I I've been on. I've been on Jaron's show, uh, Jaronism, a couple times, and, 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 and so I like to I like to have that thought experiment about what if the Earth is flat. I don't think the Earth is flat, but I'll talk about it. Like let's let's like what if it was like holy shit? Could you imagine how destabilizing that would be? Like I, I'll geek out and, and, and do that stuff and, uh-huh. and talk about that. But am I going to write a book about the flat Earth? I'm not. But <laughs> but 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 I will I will acknowledge that one of the things that that I discovered when when those guys had me on the show it was that I don't know geometry at all. Apparently. Mm, yeah. And they're like, yeah. So you take the isosceles triangle and the angle of this, and it should drop by X. I'm like, fuck. If you say so, man. I don't know. I forgot all this geometry stuff years ago. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, so I've listened. Where it, that's where it was for me. Like it was, it was incremental. I didn't have any one thing that necessarily like jolted me awake except that it was just kind of like 9-11 in general and you start to kind of pick around at that and you're like holy moly and then that leads you to like well if 9-11 was a lie what else was a lie and then who knows where you go from there oh my god yeah i've listened to all those all those kinds of shows and stuff like that and i like to you know think about hollow earth and flat earth and if there's a hollow earth beneath the flat earth and how that would even yeah. be possible or, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just shit like that. Yeah. But, um, you know, one thing that, you know, mo- some people might can consider to be conspiracy junk food and stuff like that is for me is, um, occultism and like Luciferianism, black cube of Saturn, uh, Freemasonry, like all of that kind of stuff. And, kind of like the more esoteric knowledge stuff. You know, I, I have books by Manly P. Hall and Albert Pike and, you know, all of that shit. And so that's what I'm really interested in. And in that first Tinfoil Hat episode that I listened to, you were referencing this this banker or businessman or something like that. And he said that he was, you know, confronted with a decision that he had to make about, like, um, you know, if you do this to this child, then, you know, you'll be catapulted into the spotlight or like you'll be wealthier than your wildest dreams. Um, and I was just wondering, like, do you remember that specific instance that I'm referencing here or could you explain? Yeah, um, it's a Dutch banker named Ronald Bernard and he came forward in an interview and it, and said I I have been a banker a high high level banker for many years and um, had made has made a lot of money had made some you know comp- compromised myself in some ways and that he had gotten to a point where there was a, a like a, a a group ceremony that he was involved with and it required him to ritually sacrifice a child Jesus Christ and he said he couldn't do it. Yeah, it, it, it was like the, the final step of this initiation, you know, to be in this club. And he, he said he couldn't do it. Now, I'm I'm not I'm not there with him. I don't know him. I can't I can't 
verify that 100%. But I will tell you this, that if you watch the video, and I, I think the video is still available, although who knows these days, um, he was very convincing to me. Uh, his He was very emotional about it. He was... Um, it looked it looked real. It could be it could you know listen. I I, I, I fully accept that it that there's fuckery afoot in, in all all the things that we're, we're exposed to videos, writings. It's hard to tell what's what's real and what's not. But I, this guy looked real to me. Mm-hmm. And and he was talking about how that's that was sort of the next step for him. And he just it was a step he couldn't take. And he. And he decided that he would speak out about that, and he knew that would end his career, which of course it did. Um, but, but I was like, God damn, you know, like this is—it's—it's it's hard for us to understand these these occult components to it, these rituals and things like that, because to me that stuff doesn't matter. You know, like I, I'm not into it. I don't think it's that important. But that, but what I've come to realize is that that stuff. It, that it doesn't, it doesn't matter what I think about it. It doesn't matter if I think it's invalid or not that big a deal, or these guys are all just, you know, you know, putting on togas and going out into the woods and burning a, a big owl and stuff like that. Like it's silly, you know, it doesn't matter if I think it's silly. These people all believe take it very seriously. Yeah. They believe it and it's important to them and it's part of their r- ritual. It's part of their culture. It's part of their group. And so I've, I've had to kind of get myself trained to not be dismissive of stuff like that just because I think it's kind of silly and goofy, but, but to just acknowledge that they think they take that stuff seriously. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of that, a lot of occult components to this, a lot of people trying to gather energy for their own sort of whatever they're doing, their, their rituals or trying to gather energy to give them strength to go do something uh, usually horrible to humanity. So I've, I've, I've been watching that, it, like a lot of people have. I've just been watching to see, um, you know, like, like as an example of something, the op- you know, the opening ceremonies of CERN, uh, yep. the, the Large Hadron Collider in the, the borders Switzerland and France. And, uh, it is... They, you know, it's this big scientific uh, place. They're they're smashing atoms together. That's on a 17 mile loop. It's cost cost billions of dollars. It's all underground. It's it's science, sciencey stuff. So when they have the opening ceremonies for this, it is straight up occult ritual magic going oh, on yeah. at this. It, it is. You, you watch it and you're like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> and 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 then the next question is. And how is this appropriate for all the like kids and family that are that are in, you know you can see them like they're doing a parade and there's people watching and clapping and you're like what is going on here mm-hmm. and 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 then you go well I must you know I don't know it must be something I don't understand and then they walk by the the big statue that they built at, at the entrance and it's Shiva the destroyer the destroyer of worlds from the Hindu religion you're like so. All of the possible statues you could have put out there, you chose Shiva the Destroyer. What are you guys doing here? You know, yep. so so they talk, they speak in in Code. symbols, and they speak yeah. through rituals, and they speak through these these ceremonies that they do, and and it all seems like nonsense until you pick up, still you until you realize that there's something going on there. 
Then you go and turn on the Super Bowl and you see the halftime show and you're like, oh my God, this is the same thing. The uh, opening ceremonies for the 2012 Olympics directed by Danny Boyle where they have all of these children in like this elaborate opening ceremonies with all these beds, huge beds and children in beds and these giant big monsters that are coming to get all the kids that are in the NHS hospital beds and you're like, what kind of fucking dystopian acid trip psychotic maniac designed all this and and then you watch the vma awards and the same thing and you're like okay there's something going on here yep there's something going it is undeniable that there's something going on here and and so you know so when you hear a story like ronald bernard's talking about you know the, the dutch banker and he's talking about the ritual sacrifice of a kid now if this is the first time you're coming across something like this it's uh, instant disqualification. You just automatically dismiss that. You go, that's crazy. That sounds nuts. Why would bankers be involved in this? You know, doesn't matter. Doesn't make any sense. But once you see this stuff over and over and over again, and you start to notice who's involved in it, and you start to notice their relationship, and you you notice that the banking you know establishment is very tightly connected to the UK government in, in, in places like you know in, in the EU, um, and and they have, and you start to see well you know. Princess Beatrix of the Netherlands and, you know, and all these, you know, you've got a Dutch banker who's telling these stories about these horrible things. And then you hear stories about Princess Beatrix of the Netherlands having these human hunting parties and everything. And you're like, okay, all of that stuff individually, one by one, sounds crazy and it's easy to dismiss it. But when you start building this case, this portfolio of, of events and people that are involved that are telling very similar stories becomes increasingly more difficult to dismiss a lot of this stuff. Now, I'm not trying to say that all of it's true because, you know, there's certainly some people that have taken Take it too far. creative liberties, but you don't yeah. even need to make that stuff up because there's so much of this stuff that's out in front, out in the open, that that um, that, that it's hard to ignore. And Ronald Bernard was one of those stories. It was like, man, uh, you know, like the first time I saw that video, I was like, I hope this guy is like – you know, I hope this isn't true. And then after like the second or third time you watch it, you're like, if it isn't true, um, perhaps we should consider a nomination for an Academy Award. For this yeah. Guy then, because this guy is really acting in a way that seems very genuine to me. And um, I don't know. But I mean, and of course, in in twenty in these days, you, you never know. You never know what you're getting. But 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 I if that guy's a if that guy's a big fake and a big phony, then I fell for it, and, and I admit it. <laughs> but I don't think he is. Yeah, no, I mean he's super convincing. I rem I remember the interview. Uh, I just couldn't remember his name, but yeah. you know they, they ask him. It's like what what you have to do, and he's just like like stammering and like puts his hand over his yeah. mouth. He's like there, there there was a child. And he's just like oh my fucking god, dude. And yeah. you know he starts going on about that stuff, and it's like holy shit, like how real is this? And then you know you have people. Again, in the Q community, are like Uma Abedin and Hillary Clinton ripped off a child's face, wore it as a mask, scared the living shit out of them, and drank their blood for the adrenochrome. And it's like maybe, uh, but <laughs> but like, how can we verify any of that? And how do you have so much detail? And there is, there, I, I was listening to Tinfoil Hat, and Ryan Dawson was on, and he said that on the dark web, that video is available. For people to see, and that he's seen it. Uh, now he didn't directly say that, but uh, Sam was like, "Wink twice, 
for yes, wink once for no, and he winked. He winked twice, so it, he was implicitly saying that he's seen it. But again, how do, how do we verify any of this, but and stuff like that? But I mean, situations like that, it's like, all right, well, ritual sacrifice could actually be a reality. And then you look at all of these celebrities and movie stars and athletes and, you know, Kanye's mom dies right before his big career. And, you know, all, all of these other uh, superstars that have very convenient deaths right before their superstardom. Um, yeah. But I wanted to start getting into your new book a little bit. So if you want to give like a brief rundown, then I want to get heavy into the financial aspect. Sure. Yeah, the book is called The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. Uh, I wrote it with Jeff Berwick from The Dollar Vigilante and Anarchapulco. And it is making the comparison between the way you would take down a, 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 a an actual building, the way that demo teams take it down with, um, you know, pre-weakening the foundation, uh, Pre-weakening the building, identifying support columns, rigging the detonators, uh, ringing the alarm bells, pushing down the plunger. So we get into these things, and then within each one of those main eight core chapters, we then go into a variety of things. So if I'm talking about something like pre-weakening of the building, we'll, we'll do uh, a chapter about NAFTA and some of these trade agreements that were like that that were ha- that happened in like the mid '90s to America, where they outsourced all their manufacturing to Asia. And, and we describe that as being like lighting a 25-year fuse that, that will blow up the economy, but it won't happen right away. It takes, it takes a while for that, all, the, all that to be felt. So, um, so that's, that was sort of the, the premise of the book, and we got into a variety of topics. We should have been done uh, in, in uh, March of, of this year of 2020. I mean, we were, we were pretty close to being done, and we thought we were just going to finish it all up and get it out. But then Corona hit, so we stopped for about five months, waited to see how that played out, and then wrote uh, even more about that, and then just went back in and infused it throughout the book. So then, so the book finally came out the, uh, on the Friday before the election, and uh, on the on election day, Tuesday, so like four days later, it was the number one bestseller. So that's that that just happened to be like one of those cosmic things where like the timing worked out great and it, what's funny is that that during this two and a half year process of writing the book the biggest frustration i had was the timing i wanted the book to come out sooner i wanted us to fit you know like i was like jeff finish this part up please like i want to get this out and he's like it's missing something we couldn't put her, he couldn't put his finger on what it was missing and in the end now that i look back on all of it the timing was perfect mm. and i was so frustrated about it so yeah what do i know <laughs> wow yeah that that's i mean imagine if you put out the book and then the rolling lockdowns and all of the authoritarian control and all that stuff and you're just like holy shit we just I missed all that yeah, yeah. we would have missed it all yeah it, it turned out that that our our instincts about stopping for a couple of months were right and um yeah and, and it's 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 worked out it's worked out great in that sense. Um, my reason for wanting to get it out sooner was my feeling was the sooner the better as far as waking people up to it. But you know, it, had we put it out in February or March, like in February, I was in Mexico with Jeff um, for 
the Dollar Vigilante and Anarchapulco Summit. I was one of the speakers there, and I was and I did a presentation about the book because we were almost done with it. And and um, I identified what I thought would be you know one of the triggers of, for a collapse as being Deutsche Bank. Uh, yes, for, for the canary in the coal mine. For sure, and uh, and I still think that they're they're a huge uh, problem to to watch. Uh, but Jeff and I couldn't have, we couldn't have imagined the Corona situation. Oh yeah. Uh, we, 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 we imagined quite a bit, don't get me wrong, but we didn't, um, we didn't think about that. And then, and then right after it broke out, um, I, I was talking to, uh, James Corbett and, and who I'd met at an Arcapulco and I said, Hey, I want to have you on my show. Would you be interested in like a couple weeks? And he was like, yeah, of course. And so that, that a couple weeks was between the middle of February when, when we met each other and the middle of March when everything kicked off. And so we had a really good discussion, but we were just kind of guessing, you know, as far as where this thing goes. And he was saying, this is, um, this is medical martial law. It's yep. just a more devious form of that. In fact, he put out a, a video, um, March 22nd, I think of 2020 called medical martial law 2020. And, yep. and, and he used a clip from our interview in it, uh, when he was on my show, but we were talking about this and it was really interesting to, to see how his brain, James is so fucking smart. Oh yeah. Uh, it, it, it's just, interesting to see where his brain went with that because what he was talking about was he was saying things like wouldn't it be devious if i was hoping you would say this because this is my favorite part of the podcast that you're referencing so go ahead wouldn't it be wouldn't it be crazy of them to say we've had this lockdown everybody come in and then after a couple weeks it just lifts and everybody goes back and they say all right it's done it's done you know we, we've done you know we've gotten away from it for for now go back out and everybody went back about their lives and they were like oh yeah i remember the lockdown it wasn't that bad we just watched netflix and we hung out and we didn't have work for two weeks it was like like spring break uh except we couldn't go anywhere and uh and, and then james goes and then what if like when winter comes they're like oh lockdowns again everybody and then everybody just goes running back into their house they're like oh here we go again we get more netflix we get to get and he goes but this time they never let you out yep. <laughs> and i was like and he goes then i don't even want to put that out there into the into the universe he says part of me doesn't want to put it out into the universe because i don't want to give them any ideas but he's like but i know they've already thought of this i yep. know i know they've thought and i'm like oh yeah but so just to hear that as a possibility this medical martial law and he was right he was right and and they're gearing it up all over again man i mean i got family in chicago i'm about to go out there for thanksgiving and i'm driving not flying because they literally have um they have like u.s military members at the airports in chicago and and new york making sure people are quarantining for 14 days and like you cannot get a flight back out of there if your 14 days is enough yeah, so I, I'm driving I'm driving in and driving out. I'm not fucking flying. And my sister was begging and pleading because she wanted to come back down with me and spend some time in Texas. But I'm just like, dude, I will not fucking fly for the life of me. Yeah. But, I mean, that's what they're gearing it up for, man. The, the You can already see, like, uh, at the local Walmart. So they stopped counting people in and out. Now they're back to counting people in and out. And they're, they're drumming up more cases, more cases, more cases. And it's just like, 
here it comes. They're drumming it up for a second fucking lockdown. And, you know, I always think about that James Corbett podcast. It's like the second one. And then you also have Bill Gates. He's like, the second lockdown or the second wave, that might get their attention. I'm just like, holy fuck. Yeah, they know something we don't know. That's the thing. That's my that's that's what 2020 has been for me. It's been me watching people on on television or on my computer. You know that the, these trusted establishment goons, and thinking to myself, what do they know that we don't know? Because mm-hmm. they're they're saying it in a way that is so, you know when Bill Gates is talking about a second wave and saying you know that'll get their attention. That's a dude that knows something we don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, you know, so, so it's, I'm, I find myself in this, this weird paradox where I'm watching, I'm listening to what they're saying, and I'm simultaneously discarding a lot of it because I don't trust these people. But I also have to account for the possibility that they know something we don't know, and that they're kind of rubbing it in our faces a little bit right now too. So it's like I, I I'm, I'm conflicted, like. On the one hand, don't listen to Bill Gates under any circumstances, but he might also be he might also be sort of telling you what's coming in advance too. So, mm-hmm. and I think he is. I think that that's a dangerous dangerous individual. Well, and then speaking of that, like all these documents and stuff like that, you know, you got Eventual One, Clade X, and then you got the Rockefeller Lockstep, which I kind of wanted to explore because in the Rockefeller Lockstep. Uh, document it says you know Politico or I can't really remember the source but they come out and they say the world is bankrupt and that's when they start ushering in like the great reset that's when it all is supposed to start going down and so like we start talking about the financial aspect to all of this and you know I listened to Peter Schiff and I know that Jeff Berwick uh, I was listening to your guys' podcast, and he called him Peter Schill. So, like, whatever, I, I don't know, like, what angle he's coming at from that. I, I know that some people have criticized him for being such, like, a, a, a gold bull and stuff like yeah. that. But, oh, I mean, I like he's talked stuff. about the the coming stagflation. The Fed is printing way too much money. Uh, Trump's increased the deficit by, like, $4 trillion. And then... Um, uh, you know, they're going to have to start jacking up interest rates to stave off the, the complete crash of the dollar and like all of this stuff. So we're looking at stagflation. We're looking at like at, at the very least horrible, horrible inflation. And then they're going to have to raise prices in the grocery store and all these kinds of things. And all of these people with the with the tens of thousands, all, hundreds of thousands of dollars in college loans. And those are unbankruptable. I mean, you're just going to be suckling off the government teat. And what it all comes back to for me is they put people in this situation. And I, I know you probably agree for this exact moment. Because now there's nowhere else you can go but daddy government. For sure, they, they, this is this is part of the plan. The plan is to, I mean, if you if you follow the Great Reset plan, uh, they they need this um, current system to be removed. Uh, they need everything to be bankrupted, uh, society to be bankrupted. As long as you have a functional society that isn't perfect but still works for a lot of people, it's hard to sell them on this new version of reality, this Great Reset. But if you destroy the current system, so that it's garbage, and now you're offering the Great Reset. Now people are like, 
okay, I might be interested in that. What are you offering? Tell UBI. Me this, tell me about this fourth industrial revolution. And you're like, you know, so so it, it's it's not in order for you to want this new thing, they have to break the current thing, and that's what they're doing. That's why we're seeing these these uh, government maniacs like Lori Lightfoot talking about how we have to pledge our allegiance to the new world order. Mm-hmm. Like she's so dumb at, she's so bad at her job and her game of being this person, this authoritarian goon that she gives up the plan on camera and doesn't, and, and isn't supposed to yeah. talking about the new world order and shit like that. These people have been promised something. They have to have been. I mean, I don't know what it is exactly. I, I I'm assuming it's, you know, some sort of like high level position inside the Biden administration. If that actually winds up being a thing, but, uh, They've been prominent. These governors that have locked everything down, that have that have that have put out these insane statewide mandates, and then and then get busted constantly violating them. This is a psychological operation. This is designed to make us feel like we are in one class and category, and they are above us, and they can do something totally different. And it's like I, I, I'm a you know the, I'm I'm running out of patience with people. Mm-hmm. Like I want to just grab them and just. Grab them by the fucking ears and just say, "Watch this. Watch what's happening. You're no longer allowed to just be, you know, ambivalent about this stuff. Like now's the time to give a shit because these people are trying to put us in a fucking cage, and they're not going to let us out. And, and this is, you know, and, and it's all, it's all you conspiracy theorists. You're talking about all this crazy stuff. Listen, I'm not. This isn't even theory. This is conspiracy analysis. This is, this is watching them." Listening to their words, listening to their dictates, guys like Cuomo and these guys. This isn't. I'm not theorizing about this stuff. I'm just analyzing the stuff, the things that come out of their mouth and what they're talking about. What they are doing is they're telling you one thing and doing another thing. They've been doing that from the beginning. This is part of. It's it's a tactic. It's a psychological operation tactic. Limits to growth by the Club of Rome. I mean, in yes. in that podcast that you talked about that book, man, that was so you like nailed it point by point. It's like, dude, they they literally laid this all out for you back in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that is, I mean, I don't know if you want to call that a code of ethics on their part, if it's part of this the agreement that they have with their, I don't know, God or whatever. But there is some component of this where they feel an obligation or maybe a duty or maybe to, to tell you what they're going to do before they do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're very upfront about this. And that's part of the reason why the Octopus book works so well is because I could go in and I could pull out the things that, they're going, that they told you they were going to do before they did it. And, and it's, so, it's so easy to be dismissive about things like that. But then, you know, when you, when you hear – you know, big bankers saying we will have a one world government by it's either going to be by conquest or by consent. Uh, you're like, well, shit, maybe I should listen to these people. Maybe they're, you know, it's easy to go, oh, you tinfoil hat wearing nut jobs with your new world order talk and all that. It's like, no, no, I'm not talking about the new world order. I didn't name them the new world order. They did. They named themselves that. Would you like to see ample evidence of them talking about this gigantic conspiracy, this gigantic plan? It's all there. So, you know, it, that's where I get frustrated is, is with somebody that's like on the outside of this that has no knowledge and has done no investigation into this telling me that I'm crazy for talking about the new world order when they don't even know how often that has been talked about by people that they 
worship, the people that they think are great. When you, oh, Bono, I love Bono. Yeah, I love you too. Hey, listen, I like you too as well. But that fucking guy can't be trusted, okay? And he's talked about all this stuff. And the Pope is talking about the New World Order, and the Queen is talking about it, and the Prince Philip, and John Kerry, and, and you know, I mean, like, at one at some point, you're like, okay, this is this is real. Like, they're all... Oh, and it ha- I feel like the, the NWO now has an AKA as the Great Reset. And then you have Dust, or Justin Trudeau come out and he's laying the whole thing out for you. He's like, yeah, Great Reset's going to be great. Like, we got we to gotta do that. And, you know, I mean, and then you have Klaus Schwab. He wrote a whole fucking book about it. I mean, yeah. you just listen to what these people are saying. They're telling you. The irony is that if you go to Amazon and you look for the controlled demolition of the American empire and then you scroll down a little bit, one of the books that suggests that you buy with it is Klaus Schwab's book. <laughs> That's perfect, actually. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah, yeah, buy it. Yeah, buy both of them. Read ours first, then you and you read you get about halfway through Klaus Schwab's, you can throw it in your fireplace. Oh my god. It's all a gigantic lie. I mean it's all it's all a, a, a sales pitch for this this global one world government that they want to sell and that was kind of our point in the, the whole thing with, with with the controlled demolition of the american empire is that they've they've told us you know through their writings that they can't they have a problem with these existing superpowers and they can't put their their plan for a one world government into action as long as there's existing superpowers so 30 years ago they took out the soviet union and now they've they're they've set their sights on the american empire so it's not even so much that they're like you know they they just have to weaken all of these other countries so that they nobody challenges them and they are the this group is based on this concept of, of the great reset and it and it's like you know it's just, it's like a sales pitch for um, Elysium, you know, like the, the, the big planet, you know, the, the big thing circling above Earth where all the rich people go to live and it's paradise and it's all that. So that's the sales pitch. The sales pitch is that. What you really get is District 9. Oh, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what you're going to get. You're going to get giant praying mantis bug-like people <laughs> stuck on Earth with you and you're going to be, you know, living in a garbage pile. That's what they have planned for us. It is it is not good. And, and and if and, and I don't know why anybody would be believing the things that these globalist maniacs are, are are promising, because they don't do a very good job on delivering on their promises anyway. So uh, you know, Bill Gates says, "Oh, well, we're going to vaccinate the world and we're going to make everybody healthy," except that you know he gave half a million kids polio in India and they threw him out of the country and he's killed he's killed even more in in West Africa. So it's like. But Snopes says that's BS. Yeah, Snopes says it's BS, so I guess it's BS. Yeah, right. Nothing to see here, people. Dude, that shit kills me. And, you know, you look up things that are blatant fact, and what what I always tell my friends, they're like, oh, well, Snopes said this. I'm, I'm just like, you could go read The Club of Rome. You could go read The Great Reset. You could read all of these documents. And then Snopes will have a thing that says, is, is Klaus Schwab... And the World Economic Forum, Gavi, and the WHO are trying to create a Luciferian hellscape. No. It's like, <laughs> well, like, like, of course they are. They fucking tell you exactly what they're doing. And then they incorporate all of this weird uh, occult bullshit and stuff like that. And then, yeah. so it's just like, well, you were talking about the uh, large particle hydrogen uh, collider and stuff like that. It's just like, dude, it, it's right out there in the open. And then... 
I'm trying to figure out how they're going to get their martial law. Because to me, Alex Jones was talking about all that stuff back in like the first SARS outbreak. And, you know, he was wrong. But now they literally do have those camps in New Zealand. They have those quarantine camps. And in Australia, it's complete authoritarian control. And so, and Max Egan always talks about, he's like, hey, this is the testing ground. You know, they test it out over here before they bring it over there. And so I'm thinking, like, are they going to... Are they going to do it with Corona? Are they going to do it with the election? Are they going to do it with the complete collapse of the economy for people to start rioting, there to be mass civil unrest, and then they have to usher in the martial law and taking people to their individual quarantine camps? And that sounds like way far out, tinfoil hat conspiracy, but it's not as far off as some people may think. No, no and especially when they disguise it as helping you. Especially when they disguise it as, as uh, you know, they'll use food as a weapon. They'll, they'll lure people into, you know, hey, well, listen, you know, we know that times are tough and nobody's got any money and nobody has a job and everybody's out on the street. And like, hey, listen, we've, we've set up FEMA camps for people that, you know, like this is this is this is our version of a hurricane. And, and FEMA comes in to save the day when there's been a hurricane. So we're going to we're going to open up these FEMA camps. If you guys want to come in and you need a place to stay or you need some food or whatever, and they're going to going to get people in there and they're never going to let them out (laughs) yeah that is that is something that they they that is a a possibility or but but they'll spin it in a way now when you say like they're going to march you into fema camps and you know in in rail cars and stuff like that like like world war ii that people go that'll never happen i would never get into that rail car and things like that and it's like well think of it like this it will be the, it'll be the proverbial rail car. You might not act to, have to actually get into a train to, to get to these places. They may just make it so un, you know, untenable in this society where you have no choice but to go ask for help, and the help will come from them, but there'll be strings attached. I mean, the things that the World Economic Forum is talking about is cashless society and universal basic income. Well, you don't think that that universal basic income is going to be tied to some sort of criteria that you have to follow like you have to be up to date on all your vaccines you have to be a member you know a member in good standing with a high social credit score things like listen they'll make it they'll make it i mean oh the government's giving out free money the government is trying to figure out ways to steal all your money through taxation when do they ever give you free money well they give you free money if they want something from you they want compliance they want you to do what they want want the, you know what they want you to do they want you to be where they want you to be or not say the things you know so so there are very a, a variety of creative ways that they could trick people into participating in this and if they make things bad enough which clearly things are, are pretty bad but 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 headed in a bad or even worse direction uh, then you're gonna you're gonna find people that are low-hanging fruit that, that a trust the government blindly which is absolutely stupid um, but there's plenty of people out there to do that or people that are really desperate and they're like I have no choice but to go do this it's like alright well you gotta take the vaccine mm-hmm. fine whatever you're gonna give me $1800 a month in UBI that I can pay all my bills or anything but then like you, like what you said earlier then, then clearly these people don't know anything about economics because then if the government is just printing up free money it's just trillion dollars of free money it impacts the purchasing power of that money. It, it, it inflates away the value of it. So great, you're going to get, let's say, $1,800 a month every month, but now a loaf of bread is going to cost $30. So 
you're not really in, in it's it's not eighteen hundred dollars that you're used to. It's a new version of that. Oh, and it, by the way, it's only available in a digital currency from a Fed coin, from the Federal Reserve coin. So we can now monitor where you are, what you're buying, and what you're using it on, and all these things. So this is we're we're headed in a in, into a dystopian nightmare, mm-hmm. and 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 we're like on the bow of the Titanic yelling like there's an iceberg right in front of us and everyone's going stop being an alarmist <laughs> and you know I, I can't not say what I see what yes I see is chaos if I was to say oh everything's going to be fine I wouldn't I wouldn't be an alarmist anymore but I also probably wouldn't be accurate with it I, I'm scared about what's coming I mean I'm uh, it, it, these people are, are these people are, are evil and they're they relentless like and they're totally relentless. <laughs> uh-huh. they, have, they take a long-term approach to this. They have unlimited amounts of money. They have the mainstream media. They have contingencies to any variable that could happen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They've, they've, they've taken the, the, the step of deplatforming people that are talking about inconvenient truths and things like that. Prophesize an event 201. We're having an impact. You know, clearly we're having an impact if they're, they want to ban it. But it's like... I don't. I, that's a moral victory, man. We need like an actual victory because mm-hmm. if they start deplatforming everybody and nobody can talk about this stuff, how are we going to get the word out? It's it's very frustrating. And Jimmy Dore talks about he's like, he's like, hey man, the people that are screwing you over right now have names and addresses. He's like, I'm not saying do anything crazy. He's like, but if if we really want to take back this country, we have to show up to where they live. And tell them what exactly we want. And yep. I, I'm just like, hell yeah, man. And, you know, Jason Burmis is now, he's, you know, leading the charge. He's like, the Great Reset? How about the Great Resistance? He's like, now is the time. He's like, they have yep. their boots on our necks, their gun in our mouth, and they're about to pull the trigger. If we don't do something now, it's all over. And I'm, I'm just like, yeah, hell yeah, man. Because if, if we don't start taking steps to do something, you know, I've already been protesting at the state capitol in Austin, Texas, over like, like, like five, six, seven times already. And it's like, how... Every time I show up, you know, there's less and less people. And it's like, dude, if we don't take control here, they're certainly going to. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Chris Hedges, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Chris Hedges has this great story about how um, he talks about the scene in the White House, in the Oval Office back in the 60s when Nixon is in there and he's with Kissinger. And they put buses end to end all around surrounding the White House to try and keep these protesters away that were like climbing the wall, the fences and things like that. And and in this scene, he's saying that Nixon is saying to to Kissinger, uh, Henry, they're going to get us. They're going to break down the walls and they're going to come in and get us. And, and Chris Hedges says, that is where you want politicians to be. That's the headspace you want politicians to be permanently where they're always worried that the people are going to come and get them and what we have right now is a bunch of politicians that aren't worried about that not at all no repercussions for them there's no there's no reason for them to be fearful or alarmed at all because the people aren't coming to get them and that's the problem now i'm not i'm i'm I'm, you know i'm like jimmy i'm not advocating violence or anything like that but i am advocating for the option for violence if if that happens if that because they have no problem the state has a monopoly on violence. The mm-hmm. state has the ability to use violence against you for a variety of reasons. But the minute you try and rise up and use violence against the state, they consider that to be 
immoral, unbelievable, a crime, and, and, and you know, met with fierce resistance. Yeah. But we need them to realize. We need to re- remind them of, of how this whole thing works with representation by government officials, and that is that they are supposed to represent us. They are supposed to work for us, and that has been tossed aside a long, long time ago. So, so um, keeping them, you know, fearful. Look, look, who does? Who's who's good at protesting? Surprisingly, the French. You know, yeah. For all the criticism they got in World War II for being, you know, laying down. Um, they do a really good job with their protesting and that yellow vest protest was going on for like a year and they were really freaking people out with that. So, um, that stuff does can work if you do it the right way. It can work. It can make them feel very uncomfortable. I, I don't like the riots of course, Yeah. but I did like, uh, the protesting, but, um, but of course in this current environment that we're in, we just see that the protesting and the riots just get blurred together and they lump them all into one. And then, you know, Rachel Maddow tells you what to make of it all. And you're like, yeah, "Uh, I'm out, you know, and something you've hypothesized or, you know, fearfully at least what, and you've just talked about, dude, what if they bring in the UN? Like that's worst case scenario. If UN troops start showing up and then, you know, we were talking about Henry Kissinger. Dude, he said back in the 90s at Bilderberg, he's like, you know, if we brought UN to the U.S. right now, people, it would be met with fierce resistance. But in the future, they'll welcome it. And it's just like, holy yeah. shit, it's the future right now, Henry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I also said, Henry Kissinger also said that, that the world world's population should be reduced by 50 percent uh and in my octopus book i followed that up with a line uh well that sounds like a good idea let's start by cutting henry kissinger in half (laughs) yeah so uh, yeah that guy's he's a scary monster you want to talk about deep state swamp monsters possible reptilian uh definitely henry kissinger i mean he even looks like a toad how is he still alive (laughs) you know he's he's overweight he's like 96 or whatever the fuck and he's just still kicking and that's what we were talking about is like the relentlessness. He's been at this for 50, 60, how many fucking years now? And he's still overweight, 96, pushing for NWO as much as he ever has. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a weird way, you have to respect their uh, commitment to the cause, even though the cause is not something we would want or respect. But these people, it's a lifetime, it's a lifetime pledge for them, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think they ever get an opportunity to uh, to give it back, and that and that made me think, you know, like when you hear, I don't know if you ever saw the Bob Dylan quote on on sixty Minutes where he was talking about, you know, making a deal with the devil and things like that, how he has to uh, continue working, you know, he, because he made a deal with the devil. I always think about that when I see like the Rolling Stones going back out on tour again, you mm, know, and yeah. And, uh, and Bob Dylan doing this forever and Henry Kissinger still selling this turd, you know, when he's 96 years old and all this, it's like, man, maybe there's something to that. Maybe they did sign like a lifetime contract where they have to be a part of this forever and ever. Join a brotherhood. Yeah. You know, yeah, fraternal just, order of Freemasonry, man. I, that's where my mind goes. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I mean, I just think of it, this as being like some really dark, um, club that, that you don't want to be a part of. Yeah, and, you know, I feel like a a lot of this hysteria was started with 
global warming and then you know sam says you know like they couldn't get what they wanted with global warming so then they did coronavirus and it's the same shit and now they're saying you know with the lockdowns and everything like that that it's you know reduced carbon emissions and stuff and if you go to realclimatescience.com with tony heller he does a fantastic job of laying it out he's like dude fucking twenty thousand years ago you know we're bitching about 400 parts per million. Oh my God, we can never go back. 400 parts per million carbon in the atmosphere. We're all going to fucking die. Oceans are going to boil. Glaciers are going to melt. All this stuff. Complete horseshit. But then if you go back 20,000 years ago, uh, there were 8,000 parts per million carbon in the atmosphere. And that's when we saw some of the biggest growth we've ever seen in this country, in this, in the world's history of, in terms of, you know, species and plants and, Everything was just so vibrant and healthy. 8,000 parts per million carbon. The oceans were boiling. Everything was fine. And But now, and even in ice ages, in ice ages, like, you know, some odd thousand years ago, the parts per million carbon was 4,000. In an ice age, now we have 400. We're worrying about oceans boiling. Like, it's complete horseshit. And I think you nailed it on the head. What they really want to do with all this, carbon credits. They're going to stiff the working man with the carbon credits, but then... ExxonMobil and Shell and all, all of these fucking uh, corporations, they're going to get the waivers. They're not going to have to do any of that. You got it. They're going to, they're going to, yeah, all the, they'll get exemptions for all that. It is, it is not even my speculation that they want to roll out a carbon credit. It's once again, it's in their writings. They yep. talk about this stuff openly. They talk about what the plan is. The, the Green plan, New Deal. Green New Deal is part of this. The 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 Great Reset, the Fourth Industrial Revolution. I think it'd be interesting for people, you know, before they just go diving headfirst into accepting this Green New Deal and Fourth Industrial Revolution and all that stuff. It'd be interesting for people to to know that the lady that's in charge of the technology component for the Fourth Industrial Revolution uh, uh, and this Great Reset is a lady named Isabel Maxwell, who is Ghislaine mm, Maxwell's sister. Yes. So it's like, if you're wondering who these people are, are they trustworthy or not? Just know that Ghislaine Maxwell's sister is part of this group running it, and she comes from a spy family, <laughs> and so and this is the tip of the iceberg. I mean, she's not even close to being the worst person involved over there. But it's just yeah. like, it's like, oh, oh, she's there. Yeah, yeah, welcomed there, totally and utterly accepted by these group, this group of people. Um, and the carbon, the carbon tax is, 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 is their plan. It's the funding mechanism of this new world order. They're going to set allowable carbon limits for corporations and later individuals. Eat, you're allowed X number of you know, parts per million that you can expel per year. And if you go under that, then you'll have a little bit of an allowance in your carbon allowance uh, wallet, let's say. If you go over it, then you have to pay an additional tax. It's like the salary cap, and uh, it's like a hard salary cap in baseball or something. You know, like the Yankees. If you exceed the salary cap, you have to pay like a, a fine. You have to pay a tax on it. Um, and if you if you're under the cap, you know, or if you're under this carbon cap, you can sell your excess capacity uh, on the open market. So Wall Street's going to create a new casino game called Carbon Taxes, Cap and Trade. They've already done this. This is what the guys at Exxon or at, at uh, Enron went to prison for. Um, they were rigging carbon carbon tax scams and things like that. But that's that's what they have planned, and they're going to use this whole uh, carbon tax that you pay 
that the government just created out of thin air uh, limits on all this stuff, and, and, and they just literally created a new concept out of, out of nothing and said, we're going to be the police of carbon, and we're going to set limits, if, uh, allowable limits on this. And if you exceed it, then you have to pay a tax on it to us. And everyone's like, okay, so with that tax money, you're then going to fix the problem, right? And they're like, no, you just need to pay it to us. And first of all, taxes have never fixed anything anyway, but they yep. don't talk about their plan for fixing anything. They're just keeping this money. You paid. You you exceeded this. You're a bad person. You hate the environment. You hate the planet. You hate grandma. You're trying to kill her. You've exceeded this, so we're going to tax you on it. And then Wall Street takes all these tax credits and, and creates a, a whole new market for them, a whole new marketplace that they can rig, like they rib, rigged LIBOR and Forex Comex and did the gold spoofing. All these things these banks have, have been found guilty of in court and have paid billion-dollar fines. So they're all convicted felons for rigging marketplaces. And what is the carbon tax? A brand-new marketplace that they can rig. And who, who did they say is going to be in charge of running it? Goldman Sachs. Goldman fucking Sachs. Okay, so it's criminality on a scale that we, that we can't even imagine. But it's so important to them. This global warming slash climate change scam is so important to them that we'll never hear we'll never hear the end of it in our lifetimes we will hear about this forever yep. and i'm not saying look i'm 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 on this planet just like you are i want everything to be well i want things to be what they're what they did was they hijacked all of the negative things and all the legitimate horrible things about pollution and they claim that as their own they claim that that's global warming it's not. It's it's just it's pollution, and we need to get a handle on that. And every, what everything everybody's mad about, and their climate change, climate change is going to kill. What everyone is really mad about is pollution. They don't want to be polluting and everything. But that's not what these guys are fixing. These people have hijacked all the th- all the negative attributes of pollution, which are real, and they've said this is climate change. It's all climate change. Well, it used to be global warming, but then the temperatures went down, and they had to change the name because it's hard to sell global warming when there's cooling going on. But so they said, let's call it climate change. Then we're covered either direction. Yeah. And and this is going to be one of the biggest scams in the world. And 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 people. And, but they're smart about it because they prey on people's sensibilities. They prey on people's, like, I don't want to hurt the planet. Uh, I'll do whatever you say as long as I know that I'm not responsible for killing this planet. Much like two weeks to flatten the curve. You don't want to kill grandma, do you? I'll go inside for two weeks. Oh, if it means that I'm not out killing grandma or spreading, you know, co- co-conspirator in the spreading of this virus, fine, I'll stay in for two weeks. How did that work out for you? Mm-hmm. It worked out like garbage. And they keep it going forever. So th- this this paying your carbon tax thing will be this, the same sort of scenario. It's a scam. I, I I want us to clean up pollution, but the Green New Deal doesn't fix pollution. The Great Reset doesn't fix pollution. Uh, the Agenda 2030 doesn't fix pollution. It just fixes us. It just puts all of us in places where we can't move, and then the elites have the rest of the world to themselves, which is what they want. And for people, I don't understand why they can't understand this, except I guess, I guess it's because they don't know how evil these people are. And so they don't assume that anybody could concoct something so this massive, but it goes back to that Hitler quote, you know, tell the, you know, tell the lie, make it the big lie. This is the big lie. It's just make it big and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's kind of where we are. Yeah. And, uh, what, what I was thinking of, um, 
when you're talking about the carbon credits and if you go over you got to pay the tax well what i'm thinking is if you stay under the like say you get an allotment of 100 carbon credits and then if you hit you know 75 for the year like oh good job you know you only hit 75 we're gonna reduce it from 100 to 75 it's like wait whoa whoa, whoa. i i hardly ever drove my car i barely did any of this I, I tried to be as responsible as possible it's like yeah yeah so keep doing that so you know you don't boil the oceans and everything so you know yeah. we'll, we'll decrease it to 75 because you only use 75 and then you know, the following is like, oh, climate change is getting even worse. We got to reduce it down to thirty. It's like I can't even drive my car then, and so and that I feel like that's how you know it's going to be the constant evolution. Like you said, started with two weeks, now it's been eight months. Yeah. So it, it, it's that's just they're just going to roll with it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what that's exactly how they would do it too. Um, and, and and think of it like this: then they'll they'll also want to tie it into your social credit system. So if you are exceeding your uh, carbon allow, uh, allowable limits, then your social credit score, which they already have in Shenzhen, China, and they're yep. rolling out uh, worldwide, your social credit score, kind of like your, your current credit score now, which is like a number that goes up, it goes down, depending on what you do, um, your social credit score will then be tied to this as well. So that if you are exceeding your capacity, your score is going to go down. You're not going to be able, you're not going to be allowed to get on a, a, a train or get on an airplane, buy an airplane ticket or anything like that. You're going to have to sh- have a score within a certain range. This all sounds theoretical and crazy right now in 2020 in America, but this shit is happening right now in Shenzhen, China. It's so it's not, it's, we're not talking about something that may or may not happen. This is what they want. It's just a matter of when they're going to be able to roll it out, and it's all tied in together. It's all, all these systems are working in conjunction with one another, this great reset, this social credit system, UBI, cashless society, self-driving cars, zero carbon emissions. All these things, are they're all connected together. It's sold with this amazing sales pitch of, look how great this is going to be. Everything's going to be zero carbon emission. You're not going to own anything, and you've never been happier. You're going to rent it all from the New World Order, and blah, blah, blah. Man, don't fall for it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I talk about all the time, man. It's going to be the track trace database. And, you know, you've got uh, DARPA. They made a video back in 2018 about hydrogel, about how they can inject U.S. soldiers with hydrogel, and it will track all their biorhythmics. And, oh, it'll be a good thing because... We can track uh, soldiers before they even get sick, so we can pull them off the front line, get them well again, put them back out there without them ever even having a symptom. This is back in 2018. Now, you know, with Pfizer and Moderna coming out with their vaccines, it's like, oh, well, well what? who's to say that there's not some uh, DARPA hydrogel in that? And, you know, that's another part of the Track Trace database. And Whitney Webb has been going on podcasts talking about how... Um, they now have smart meters in the sewers to uh, track everything that's being excreted from you. And you're, and you're shit and piss. They, they can find drugs. They can find uh, the foods that you're eating. So there's there's a healthcare angle, uh, which is, is especially dangerous if we get universal healthcare. Because then, you know, the government cracks down. It's like, oh, you know, we see in your area there's a high consumption of sugar and processed foods and GMOs and everything like that. So we can't really provide universal health care to you because you're not living sustainable practices and you're going to make it worse for everybody else so then you're out on health care 
And then it also has the war on drugs angle where they can be like, oh, well, we have a concentration of cocaine or heroin in this community. So yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always for your safety. Yep. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Whitney's done great work on this and, and, and she's, she's, she's over the target, which is why she's taking a lot of heat from people. Um, yeah, I, yeah, we, we, I've had crazy conversations with her about stuff like this too. And they always go on for like hours, Yeah, but it, it's, it, it's coming, it's coming our way. Uh, it's coming our way. We can look in China, we can see how they've started this process and it, you know what's what's really frustrating is that it used to be that like America would look at China and say, or like the American government would look at China and go, "Man, they're doing it so different from us. We don't want to be anything like them." But now we're looking at them, at least from our authoritarian government standpoint, and they're going, "I like what you've done here. I like that you've locked down yep. this whole community. You've instituted social credit systems. This is great. You've got facial recognition cameras everywhere, not just regular CCTV cameras, but the facial recognition cameras have got." 400 million of those already in China and and more and more millions more coming on you know every week so and our government says we need that on steroids because we have yes. to be better than China we have to we have to have more charge rates database we have to have more cameras more control because or else uh, China's going to win the war on technology and we just can't let that happen we have to be the first to AI and all of that bullshit yeah, and, and who's in charge of that? Eric Schmidt. Oh, yeah. Mr. Mr. Google's, Google is a gigantic bug. It should only give you one answer. Yeah, that guy. We're, we're, oh, yeah. I feel like we're, um, you know, we're, we're at the precipice of this massive transformation of society that is disguised as a virus. Yeah, <laughs> disguised as a virus. <laughs> It's uh, the pretext is this fake virus, this this sale, this great marketing sales pitch. And I work, I've worked, I work in real estate. I've worked in real estate for 20 years and worked for developers and, and things like that. It reminds me of a developer sales pitch of, of a new high-rise building they're going to build. It's this great picture. We can't show you any actuals because it's obviously not there yet. But it's going to have X, Y, and Z. It's going to be blah 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 blah. And you get all these people to sign up, to put in deposits for this building, and then. What you do is you value engineer the building. You go, okay, how can we make it look just like the building that we sold to everybody, but not as expensive? Let's take this out. Let's take that out. Let's mm. shorten this. Let's move this around. Let's move this. Let's 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 renege on the idea of having like a full scale, fifty thousand square foot gym there. Let's make the gym more like twelve thousand square feet. Okay, let's do it. You know, and they go to work on it, and then by the time it's built, it's nothing like the sales pitch, and you're like. Damn. It looked a lot better when it was just on the brochure than it is right now. And that's because developers are greedy and rich. They want to get you in the front door. And then they set about to try and figure out how to uh, how to really uh, change things to make it a little bit better. And then there's – of course, there's, there's fine print in the contract that you sign that says, you know, some things are, are, are subject to change. <laughs> you know? And so I would, I would think that there should be a gigantic – asterisk on, on this great reset it should say the great reset and then a big asterisk said some restrictions may apply <laughs> right you know? because that's like that's like what it is it's a big commercial for something that is that is not going to turn out the way they talk about it and then by that but by that time you'll be like oh well i guess this is the great reset 
oh, what, what are we going to do about it? Trust the plan. <laughs> yeah. You know. So. And, and I made a four and a half hour expose on Corona. And so I, I've just had it up to here when I, when I walk into the store and there's like, sir, could you please put on the mask? I just want, like, like you said, I just want to grab their ears and be like, how are you still believing this? How is this still a part of your worldview? There's been so much exposing it. The 94% number, 94% of people died with at least three other comorbidities. Stanford did a whole fucking research thing. One in 19.1 million chance of you actually getting corona and dying from it. Like, there's, the, it's endless the amount of information that you can find and use to prove that this is a provable hoax a provable scam to usher in agenda 21 slash 2030 i mean that's exactly what it's being used for and people still can't get their heads around it and for me i don't even think that there is a virus i think and what i wanted to ask you about Dude, this has to just be a giant Operation Mockingbird media scam for the whole thing because the the cases, the PCR test, Carrie Mullis said that it shouldn't be used as a diagnostic tool, and you know that's all just being left out of the discussion. And it's just get tested, then they ramp up the cycles to whatever you know number that they want it to be. If they want more positive cases, you know they'll ramp it up to 45. If they want less, they'll ramp it down to 25, and all of these other things. And at the end of the day, it's just got to be the media constantly saying, "Be scared, be afraid, wear your mask, um, and, and just comply." And if the media wasn't, if we didn't all have a television or a computer in our houses uh, with this mainstream media feed, we wouldn't know anything was happening. We wouldn't know. My, my mother-in-law got tested, got, was, well, my mother-in-law got sick and then got tested and then they said, you have coronavirus. And she was down for the count for about a week and she's 75 and she got out and then, then she was fine. She was I'm like, well, well how, how bad was it? She's like. I felt pretty rotten and I lost my taste uh, sense of, of taste for a couple days and everything, but you know, fine. Okay. So we're talking about, this is like that age range where it's supposed to be the most susceptible and everything. And, and she was fine. We're not, we're not talking about the black death. We're just not. Mm -hmm. and, if, and if we didn't have the media, we wouldn't be talking about anything. We, in fact, I think that it was a, you know, I think the psychological operation component of this really was was laid bare when, when, when in, in June, you know, everything had kind of died down and nobody had masks on and there and, and people were going to the grocery store and businesses were reopening and we were like, okay, all right, we're finally getting back to some semblance of normality here, and then all of a sudden the mask mandates kicked in. It's like, oh, everybody's got a mask, got to have a mask on, you can't get in the grocery store without it, and you're like, why would they be doing that? Oh, I get it. It's a visual representation of something now. Now you've got a mask on, so now you see other people with masks, and it's like virus, virus, virus. Okay, the potential for virus. But if I didn't see people with masks on, and I just walked into a grocery store, I would have no reason to think that there was anything unusual going on. But when everybody has a mask on, then it's impossible for you to, 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 to not think that there's something happening. Now, the something that's happening is a giant psychological operation, of course. But, but, but you... You can't pretend that it's not happening when you see everybody with masks and everybody, people are saying, you're going to need to put your mask on and things like that. This is, um, 
so so it was like they needed once things started to die down they were like oh how do we get everybody scared again oh yeah let's make sure everybody wears masks that way then then it'll be real again because it was starting to become unreal it was starting to become like not a big thing in june people were like i'm good you know the sun's out and i'm going back and we're opening up, up work and now now here we come and we knew it would get weird again when when the winter came we knew that they would pull out all their tricks but but here we go again they're literally running the same play they're saying well, we've got to we've got to be careful. We've got to have these lockdowns because you know our hospitals are getting overrun. And and we're like, oh, are you honestly fucking doing that again? You're yeah. doing that stupid thing again. Let me guess. What let me guess what comes out next? We, everybody in the UK stands out on their balcony and bangs their pots and pans and claps their hands at for the nurses, for our workers. <laughs> and then we get TikTok videos again. I mean, I can't wait for TikTok videos again from all the nurses. I mean, this is. I I I, I am constantly in this in this conflict between being super angry at the media for having the audacity for lying to us about these things and equally being frustrated with all of the people that just blindly go along with it yep. with, with, with no, no, no introspection at all, no ability to take a look at any of this information and go, are we really doing the right thing here? You know, like people are just blind. Oh, put the mask on. Oh, get back in my house. Oh, lock my, my store up, all this stuff, man, we need a culture of non-compliance. I yep. think we would be a lot better if we had a, a, a culture of people that were just like, I'm not doing anything you tell me to do just because you tell me to do it. If, if it makes sense to me and I, and I agree with it, fine, I'll do it. If I'm, you know, if I feel like I'm in a, a vulnerable category and there's this deadly flu going around, I'll stay in my house or I'll wear a mask. You do whatever you need to do to make you feel more comfortable. But don't start telling me what to do. You know yep. what I mean? Don't tell me to wear a mask, lady, in the grocery store. I will fucking snap on you. Mm. Uh, and, and 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 then what am I going to do? I'm going to walk out of that grocery store after picking a you know having a fight with somebody. Like, oh, this is terrible. I'm really like, happy I just told off that six year old woman. <laughs> you I know? know, it's like I don't want to be that guy, but at the same time, like. I have a problem with you feeling so comfortable that you're going to walk up to me not knowing me and telling me what to do and what and that I need to put a mask on my face and because if we want to have this debate I'll destroy you in the debate lady but we're not going to have the debate because you don't want to hear what I have to say you just want to tell me to wear a mask cuz Anderson Cooper told you to wear a mask or Fauci told you to wear a mask and you know those people wouldn't ever tell you that, that you know Oh but before he said not to wear a mask Exactly yeah. that's the thing it's like it's like Wear a mask. Okay, do you want me to wear the mask that says on the side of the box does not prevent the transmission of coronavirus? What if I put a bandana over my face? Will that make you happy? The least scientific thing in the world? Yeah, that'll make that lady happy if I put a bandana over my ma- my face. And then it's like, so we've just admitted that this isn't about science. It's about compliance. It's about doing what you're told to do. And I have a real problem doing what people, what these people tell me to do i just i just am defiant i'm just a prick when it comes to that stuff i'm just difficult to deal with when it comes to that and my wife is like why are you so difficult with this i say because it's the principle it's the she's like you could put a mask on to walk into the grocery store i said of course i could it's the principle behind it she's like okay and i'm like this is a thing for me you know and, and and I know that a lot of people, it's not a principled thing for them. They, they don't care. They think they're helping or they don't understand this game or they don't, you know. But to me, it's about showing other people 
that I, I refuse to participate in this. And I've had difficult, I mean, I've had, I've, I've, I've done it where it's like, you know, oh, you want me to put the mask on? You want to, I put it on, put it on like this. Is this good? You know, and then, and, and they're like, no, it's got to be over your nose and mouth. Oh, what about this? I just, is this good? No, it's got to be over your mouth, near your nose too. How about fuck off? How about don't tell me what to do? You know what I mean? So I get, I get like to that point real quick with people and I'm mm-hmm. like, I, this is probably not healthy for me, but, but I, but I can't help it yeah. because I know I, I'm understanding this gigantic scam and I want, and the flip side of that also is that when people see you out in public without your mask and they don't have a mask on too, they're like, what's up, man? Like, good for you. You know, like they give you a little nod. Yeah. Like, and, and, and look, if I thought wearing a mask was going to save one person from, from something, then maybe I might consider it. But this is all theater. Yeah. We're all pretending. We're LARPing. We're role-playing. We're, we're pretending that we're saving. We're pretending that we're hiding from a virus. We're walking down the aisle of this grocery store in one direction, but not the other direction because we don't want to enter. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's so absurd. And when you point out the absurdity to people, they think you're the problem. Oh, yeah. And that's where my frustration is. And the last time my girlfriend and I flew, I think it was back in uh, June... Uh, we flew back to Chicago, and they would not let us on the plane without a mask. And so we had to wear the mask, and I, I, I would only put it over my mouth. I, could, I straight up can't breathe if it's over my nose. I don't know how people do it all day. If it's over my nose, I can't fucking breathe. And so I would never put it over my nose every five minutes. Sir, you need to put it over your nose. They'd tap me on the shoulder, and I would pretend to be asleep, and they would jostle me awake and be like, Sir, you need to put it over your nose. And then so when we landed, we were getting off. This woman was like, uh, You guys need to put the mask over your nose. And we said, No, thank you. Kept walking. They called security on us. They called sec- oh. Yeah, no, that's how serious it was back in June. And so... um that's when I vowed off. I'm like, I'm never fucking flying ever again. And then they were, you know, what you were saying, they were, oh, hospitals are exploding with cases. Well, in Austin, Texas, you know, I work for a uniform company. We service these hospitals and we wash their scrubs. So I would go into uh, the laundry area, picking up the COVID scrubs from the COVID ward. And the bags were super flimsy. Like, what? I didn't know. I'm like, why are these biohazard bags? They fucking open and tear open so easy so i would grab them they would tear open they spill all out and i had to pick them up and i'm handling these covid (laughs) uniforms these scrubs putting them in the bucket and then i never got coronavirus when i was handling all of these covid uniforms and people were saying that covid could live for five days up on surfaces it's like when was that ever real because i never got any symptoms no nothing oh but I, i might be asymptomatic you know, which is code for you don't have it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and if you ra- accurately and logically and rationally and calmly explain this to somebody, they think you're nuts. Oh yeah, and it's I, the power of the media. I was listening to um, this one podcast. They're kind of new. It's called Truthzilla. Yeah. And uh, you know, they they live in Eugene, Oregon, and you know, I'm glad I live in Texas, where People, you know, they'll just kind of like let me be and they won't give me too much grief. They say in Eugene, Oregon, man, they will get kicked out 
uh, of the grocery store by the customers of the grocery store. It, the employees, the people shopping there, they'll, they will fucking brutalize you if you do not put on a mask. And I'm just like, I could not be in that situation if I were those guys. Yeah, I walk in, I live in Denver, and I walk in to the grocery store by our, down the street from our house. I walk in without a mask. I get what I need. I don't talk to anybody. I don't look at anybody. I do my I do my thing, and um, and I go through the self checkout, and I just walk out. And I and and I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting for someone to, you know, confront me about it. And I it, but I, I haven't had that pushback. I haven't had the the massive pushback, you know. But I keep. But when every time I go, I have my guard up because I I feel like it's coming. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, some places are, are, are more, I guess, more into it than others. And, and those, uh, I don't know, it's, it's so frustrating. It's like I'm so disappointed in, in the humanity for not picking up on this and not recognizing this overt, blatant, obvious scam. And, um, and I get it. Like if, if the first month you weren't sure or you didn't know, that's fine. But by this time, like at this point now, it's like, what's your, what's, what's everybody's excuse for, for this? Like, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I'm, and I'm sorry, I, the, the scare tactics of saying 18 year old kid, perfectly healthy, died of COVID. I'm sorry. I need, I'm going to go Ferris Bueller on you and be like, yeah, just roll his dead bones up here in front of me. I'm going to have to see it with my own eyes, you know, before I believe one of these scare stories in the media. You know, the same mainstream media that is pathological in their lying about starting wars and, 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 and presidential campaigns and, and, and their, their views on whistleblowers. You know, the, the, the disgusting, shitty corporate mainstream media pathological liars that, that lie to you about everything else. But, yeah, everything they're telling you about coronavirus is, just happens to be true. It's just it's – just, it's frustrating, and I want to, like, you know. Especially, like, the Trump supporters, man. You know, like, when I see, like, I see someone wearing a Trump mask, and I'm just like, dude, he says fake news. And now you're going <laughs> to believe, like, you're going to wear the Trump mask and parade around like you're scared of coronavirus when the only people saying that this is even a reality at all is the mainstream media. And then, you know, people say, oh, how how could everybody be in on it? And it's the same thing with 9-11. How could there be so many people on it in on it? And then with today with COVID, oh, all the doctors, all the nurses, they're all in on it. They're all pretending. It's like, no, dude, you introduce the PCR test that everybody has to fucking use. And then you give hospitals incentives, $39,000 per uh, coronavirus case. And then, you know, people start going along to get along. Yeah, it works. It all works itself out. It, it's not... You, you just have to make different incentives for people uh, the, 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 and they'll, they'll follow along with us in 9/11 same thing people how could how could everybody keep keep this secret my grandfather worked on the atomic bomb at Oak Ridge he did not know what he was building until after it had gone off they can keep it secret if they want to you're not you don't need to know the full plan in order to be a part of the plan and uh, and so yeah it, there's this is just it's a it's a litmus test also to 2020 has been a litmus test to see how how gullible and dumbed down people are i mean i joked about this in in a couple of shows but i'm almost not kidding when when i say that like if fauci had come out and said that because of the weight of the virus it likes to hover at about a four foot level 
and uh, it, it, based on you know the atmospheric pressure and everything, they gave a whole scientific thing. And I said, so so really, it would be best if you were on your hands and knees crawling into these grocery stores. I, 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 I'm not kidding when I say that there would be a, a percentage of the people that you would see crawling on their hands and knees into yeah. the and out of the grocery stores because they're just too fucking dumb for this planet. Yeah. They're just too gullible and they're just too willing to believe all this stuff. And they call us conspiracy theorists for this, for believing unusual things. Yet they're willing to do almost anything because Dr. Fauci told them to do I mean, it's, it's, it's. I, you know, and, and, and I don't know how, how your feeling is on this, but, but my guess is that you're, you're, you're probably experiencing some of the same feelings that I am on, uh, with regard to the corona situation, and that is in the vaccines. where I've talked about them. I've talked about how dangerous they are. I've talked about whether, you know, the, the, the lack of lawsuit or the lack of uh, accountability for them because of, of these laws and all the and, – and I've been very nice to people about the corona situation, about the, man, the, the potential vaccine, the corona – COVID-19 vaccine and do I get it and do I not get it and I've tried to be nice and explain to people the, the history of vaccines and where, what they're all about but I am losing my patience with yep. people and I am now increasingly becoming more I'm getting more and more on the side of if you want the vaccine then fucking take it you're gonna you want to you want to tell us how we're all crazy how we're all conspiracy theorists how we're how we're we don't know how we're anti-science we're anti-vaxxers we're nuts we want we're we're dangerous people it, but you've done no research on this at all zero research at all except what you've watched on your television and you say that the vaccine is good then fucking get it be the first person in line but i don't want to hear any complaining i don't want to hear any complaining from all you people when when you have really bad repercussions from this and you turn into man bear pig right, exactly. <laughs> you turn into man bear pig and that is on you i don't want to hear the complaints because we warned you about it we talked about it we showed you actual actual evidence of the of what has been happening in the united states with regard to the the vaccine epidemic for the last 35 years since they legalized that We've talked about all this. We show you stats. We show you doctors that have come out and spoken out against it. If you choose to be ignorant to this, uh, then that's on that's on, it's on you. you and know? you want to take something experimental, as experimental as an RNA vaccine, never fucking made one before. There's problems with existing vaccines that they made for fucking decades. Now they're going to roll out something that they've never done before. And then you see these uh, reports of people having these that are in the trials having these horrible reactions and one woman's bleeding out of her eyes or like whatever the fuck is going on. And it's just like, oh yeah, I'm going to take that because Pfizer just came out and said, oh yeah, we got a 90% vaccine. My nurse friend sent me that article. And then you look into Pfizer. Oh yeah. They had to pay the biggest fucking, uh, they had to pay the biggest, what is it called? Uh, Settlement, yeah, they had to pay the biggest settlement, like two point four billion dollars for false marketing shit. It's just like, oh my god! And here they come out and say we got the best vaccine, and then Moderna comes out, no, we got the best vaccine. It's like, dude, look into these companies. They are not the fucking, they're not the angels that they're pretending to be. They're all convicted felons. Yes, literally convicted felons in courts of law. They paid out billions and billions and billions of dollars to settle all the fraud, criminality that they've been in, in, in charge of for decades. And they have the vaccine exemption. Where they, if that if that wasn't in place from 1986 through that law, then they would be getting the, the shit suit out of them like they were in the early 80s. So this is 
Yeah, what do they pay out? Four billion dollars every year, and that's and that's that's the cases that actually get through. How many other cases, like you're talking about, because of the the vaccine bullshit uh, from Reagan's administration? Um, if, if that wasn't a reality, how much more would they have to pay? And I saw I was listening to uh, Dell Bigtree, and he was saying that uh, they did a study at Harvard, and they cut the study off at like. They found 1% of the actual number that they were looking for. And I don't know, it was like something like uh, 200 deaths were attributed to vaccines in 2016 or 17. And if they extrapolated that out from that 1%, then they would have gotten around 40,000 deaths due to vaccines in one year. Now, if we're gonna talk about more people are dying at the hands of vaccines and way more children than the gun deaths, which is actually, oh, the huge problem in America, all these gun deaths, and but where are all the school shootings? Where are the people shooting up the grocery stores? That all fucking stopped because now there's corona. You know, we don't need that boogeyman anymore. We can put him back in the closet. Uh, so we don't need the gun argument anymore. We just need coronavirus. But, you know, 36,000 gun deaths in America. But you want to talk about 40,000 deaths related to vaccines? People's minds would fucking explode. And so I'm, it's just the fucking hypocrisy all over again, man. It makes my head spin. Yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that the industry that's going to administer the vaccine for you, the American medical industry is the third leading cause of death in America. Yep. The American medical insurance. Medical error, right? Heart disease, cancer, American medical uh, industry. Yep. So forgive me if I'm a tiny bit hesitant to go rushing uh, to be the first person to get an experimental vaccine that hasn't been fully tested, that is a vaccine run by the big pharma, which it has its own problems to begin with, that there's no liability on because they bribed Congress in 1986 to pass that. Um, and you want it to be rushed, administered by the military. Yep. And you, yeah, it all sounds so appealing to me. <laughs> and, and, but, but, but it's like if through that mountain of, of questions, you know, all these different aspects, you still think that it is fine to just go line up and get that, then I kind of just say go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, just go go have fun with it. And like, all these people is like, oh, if we just get the vaccine, we can go back to normal. Fauci has come out and said, he's like, even if you get the vaccine, this is going to be a seasonal thing. We're still going to have to wear masks in, in perpetuity. I don't know when we're going to have to stop wearing masks. So even if you think I get the vaccine, I don't have to wear masks anymore. We go back to normal. Uh-uh-uh. There's still going to be plexiglass at the fucking restaurants and at the fucking countertops and the businesses and everything like that. And they know that people hate it. And they know that people will be like, you know, there will be a certain percentage to be like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going. Then I'm not going to that restaurant. I'm not getting on that airplane. But that all feeds into it. Because if you yep. don't do that, then you are making the collapse happen faster too. <laughs> and therefore laying the groundwork for them to build this this great reset on top of the ashes of our current society. So yep. so that they, they, they're, they're devious little fuckers. And they've thought about this, and 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 we, like you and I, have have thought about this too. But the vast majority of people 
haven't even considered the fact that this could be some sort of operation, that there's there's more to it. They, they, they are blissfully ignorant and, and still think that we're going back to normal after this. We are not. Uh, this has been too effective for them. It's been too easy for them to enact change through through scaring us all with this virus. This is going to be one of the tools that they use for a long, long time. I mean, just like terrorism. They use terrorism for you know the better part of 20 years. Well, really longer than that. But, yep. but, but after 9-11, the terrorism is, was ramped up because oof, we can get a lot of things done with this. We can scare people into accepting things like the Patriot Act and Department of Homeland Security and TSA and all that stuff that sprouted out of out of this fear so let's just keep the fear cranked up to 11 and and then when we do that then everybody will will be so you know destabilized that we they'll just allow us to do whatever we want and then once terrorism is burnt out then you know we'll find something else i don't know like a virus and a fire and another invisible enemy yep. that we have to spend trillions of dollars trying to fight and hide from even though the statistics show that it's not very dangerous so and how how convenient, you know, for for Trump, you know, he's got Kavanaugh in there who had a hand in writing the uh, the Patriot Act, and now he's going to have a hand in writing, you know, whatever other coronavirus legislation is going to come down come down the pike. And so, plan, everything's fine. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> and then you look at Bill Barr and all of these other goons, Goldman Sachs, and all of the he had John Bolton in there for the longest time. I mean. At, at some point, you know, you said you were getting fed up with people. All right, you want to take the vaccine? Go ahead. Now with me, what – and, you know, I, I like a lot of these Q guys and everything like that. But, dude, if you don't fucking stop with the trust the plan bullshit, it's like you're going to fuck us all up. Because right now, no – every you know, you got the Q people trusting the plan. And then you got all of the people on the left, they're all like – Oh, this is great. You know, Joe Biden's in, so everybody's content right now. You got people following the plan. You got people happy because their guy won. And so it, we're just in this state of homeostasis. We're, we're just not going to do shit. No, no perfect. It, that, that's what they want. They want a bunch of people not doing anything. Yeah. Mission accomplished. And um, so uh, I guess we'll start wrapping it up here. I, I could talk you all to all, all day long, guess. man. Um, but like... What I want to ask you, because I know you're not a religious guy and neither am I. I'm, I'm more spiritual than religious. Yeah. I don't subscribe to a particular religion. Um, Me too. But in your opinion, what is, what's really going on here? Like, what is the whole shebane for? Agenda 21, depopulation, total global control of all the resources – what? Why? Why do they want this? What are they working towards? What entity are they worshiping? Black cube of Saturn, angels, demons, uh, Luciferianism. Like, in your opinion, why are they so relentless? Henry Henry Kissinger level commitment to this uh, process for decades and decades and millenniums and stuff like that. I I think there is like I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a religious guy. I'm, I'm, I'm same, same, same as you. Like I'm, I'm into. I'm, I'm interested in find, figuring out what's going on, what's happening here. But I, I also don't pretend to, to, to know because we're little human beings and we're trying to figure out God and everything. But I think that. So, so I'm, I'm not like a. I'm not a religious guy who's like, oh, it's, it's an important component of my life, where like it is for some people. But I think that these people that are running the, the trying to run the world. I think that they 
are connected into something much darker. I think that they have, uh, I think it is a Luciferian agenda. And it's, and, and it's, and, and I say that as, and the reason why I say I'm not religious and, and, and why that matters is because I know that sometimes people that are really religious are like, these people are the devil, they're Satan and everything. That's their go-to insult. And, and my go-to insult is not to call somebody a Satanist or, or Luciferian or something like that. So when I use that term, I'm, I'm trying to be as specific as I can about it because I don't, you know, it's not like, oh, these people are all, the, you know, working for the devil. I think that these people are, are all on the side of a very dark force. I don't know if they've been promised something from this fort. I don't, but there's a lot of writings about this. There's, there's, this goes back long time, thousands of years, you know, this good versus evil type of thing. There are some very disturbed evil people in this world. I think that they have a Luciferian agenda. I think that part of what that agenda is that is that they have to tell you what they're going to do before they do it, because we see evidence of that happening all over the place. Uh, and then their plan is to, is to make it make it kings and serfs where they're the kings and we're the serfs and we're down here on the plantation or we're on the you know we're in this feudal society where we're having a two di- there's two different worlds happening on the same planet there's one that is just totally different and, and it is it is excess and whatever you want do it do it thou wilt and, and all that shit and then there's this other like the masses of humanity down on the reservation too dumb to figure it out no respect from the people above them. Uh, cattle for, for them. They they write about us being cattle. They write about uh, their relationship with us as being, you know, they are controller species and we are beneath them. And I'll tell you, man, sometimes when I go to Walmart, I can understand where they're coming from. You know <laughs> oh, I mean? yeah. You see people and you're like, these people are fucking worthless. And and so, so I, I feel like, I'm I'm all obviously on the side of, of the goodness, but I I want to shake a lot of the people that are just blissfully ignorant and wake them you know wake them up and be like, come on man, like you have a role in this. You need to wake up to what's happening. I I, I find myself losing patience with the mass with the sheep for being sheep, you know. And much in the same way with the vaccine thing, it's like fucking take the vaccine then if you if you if you if, if if you're so sure that you're right about it, then go for it. Let's see how you let's see how you turn out later. Um, and and these people that are like you know blissfully ignorant about what's happening, and and, and acting in a way that is is making them look like like I'm watching the behavior of most of the sheep, and I'm going, no wonder the elites want to get rid of all of us. Like I don't fucking blame them in some in some components of this, and I'm not trying to side with them at all. But it's like, man, I look at a lot of people and just go, "You're too fucking dumb to be a part of this whole thing." Like, so my point is, the people that are trying to control us are reprehensible scumbags that are deeply disturbed, very evil, and they have a different version of reality for us. But we need to take some responsibility for our own actions as well and not make ourselves such easy targets for these people. We need to, sh- to, to prove that we are better than what we've been. They want us off the planet because they see us as useless eaters. And like, you know, some people are behaving like they are useless eaters. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's very hard to defend them <laughs> against these globalist maniacs. But, but it's like 
So I, I, I have the, the bulk of my contempt is directed at the ruling class and for what they do. But I still save a little bit of that for the for the rule the the, the class that's being ruled upon. Uh, I'm still very frustrated with them and want them to like snap out of it and like participate. And, like we need to change our behavior because as long as we're we're blindly accepting this, of course they don't respect us. I'm starting to not respect us either for being so willfully ignorant about this stuff. So so we have a we have a role in this. We have a we have a we have a, a you know we have to participate. We have to be awake. We have to rise up to this because these people aren't going to stop. They're not going to stop doing what they do. We're going to have to stop them. Now, how that how we go about doing that, that's that's up for debate. But um, but the first thing is, and the most important thing is we need to wake up a whole lot of sleeping people. And maybe coronavirus is going to be the thing that wakes a lot of people up, like the way 9-11 was, was something that woke up woke me up. We're, you know, this is where we started the conversation. I guess we'll sort of kind of wrap it up and end here too is that – you know, 9-11 woke me up to the insanity of all this so that when Corona came around, I had experience and I had the I had the ability to draw on things I had seen or remembered in the past and, and, and find these patterns that are that are showing up throughout it. Maybe the Corona situation will wake up a, a new generation of people that, that then when the next thing happens, they'll be like, this is bullshit. I've seen this before with the Corona thing. This is what woke me up. They did the same thing. They ran out the same plan. They had the same guys talking about the same things and how we're all going to die. Global warming is going to kill us in 12 years. I, I, I've heard this before. I've heard this over and over again. And so I'm hoping that this situation that if we're, if we're looking for something positive that has come out of this 2020 coronavirus, you know, scamdemic thing, maybe the one thing that comes out of it is that it wakes up a huge percentage of the population to, to what's happening. My fear though, is that it might be too little too late. And yeah. that's, that unfortunately is, uh, that's why we do these shows though. That's why we, cause we're, we're talking, I don't know who's going to listen to this. You don't know who's going to listen to it. It might be, you know, it might be people that, that, that this helps change the way they view – they it makes, it makes them view the world in a different way, like that, that's more accurate. And, and, and I'm, I'm down for that. I'm down for that con- the conversations with, with everybody that will, that will, you know, spark something in them that will wake them up to this. Because, like, I can't – I know I was watching – like we were talking about earlier. I know I was watching David Icke. I know I was watching Alex Jones, and, I, and, and we can – you know, we can talk about – you know, people can talk about Alex Jones being compromised, and I get that for sure. But he did have a role in waking a lot of people up. The things that he was talking about were changing people's perspectives on things. And, like, I can't tell you which one of those conversations did it for me. It might have been incremental. It might have been just building upon, you know, one video after another video kind of helped to wake me up. But, like, you and I have, like, a role in this. We have a responsibility to to talk about these things, even if they're, you know, even if it's not fun to talk about, even if it's, if we're talking about a dystopian future, like because these conversations have the potential to wake people up, we got to keep doing it. We got to, and, and, and we have to have action too. I'm not trying to say that just talking about it is the only thing we need to do, but, but, but like the, like any good addiction counselor will tell you, like you have, if, if you, you first have to acknowledge that you have a problem. And, and we're trying to get people to acknowledge that we have a problem. And so the first step of that is definitely a conversation about it, where it goes from here, where, where people decide to, uh, you know, invest their time and energy to try and like you're doing, you're, you're down at the, at the state house in, in, 
in Austin, and and you're you're doing that. Like, first step is awareness. Second step is doing something about it. So, um, I feel like these conversations are necessary because we we never know who's going to hear it. It's impossible to quantify the sort of reach that we have these days, uh, and 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 how what we're talking about is going to impact someone. But we just know it's going to on some level because it's impacted us. It's it's. This is how information gets uh, gets spread around, and some information's good, some information's bad. But like, I, I for those that are worried about like, oh, are are the things you're talking about are they accurate? Are they are they bullshit? Well, just look at the reaction of social media to, to the people that are talking about things and they're getting them deplatformed. I would say, are they deplatforming people that are talking about you know Elvis get you know eating eating ding dongs at a at a at a at a, at a Win Dixie someplace. I mean, those stories you can talk about forever. But how come when you talk about vaccines, they'll deplatform you? Mm-hmm. Is it because it's all lies, or is it because it's all truths? Is it because we're talking about things that are in, you know, that are inconvenient to the establishment system? So, so I'm down for the conversations. I'm glad that we, we're doing this. I'm glad that we're able to talk about these things, and we'll put it out, and we'll see where it goes, and hopefully people um, wake up to this because it, you know, it's not, it's not hyperbole to say that like it's now or never i know people have been saying that for a long time oh, global should come to kill us we gotta we gotta stand up now now i mean boy at this time the tail end of 2020 like if we don't make some changes if we don't have our voices heard like they're gonna steamroll us and, and we and, and and unfortunately with this like once we get steamrolled and they roll out agenda 2030 man it is it is all but over for us so we we have to be very diligent and make sure that we don't put ourselves in a situation where this stuff is going to happen and they'll they'll push us as far as we allow them to push us so it's important for us to to jump up and say this is my line in the sand i'm not doing this i'm not participating do not comply with unjust orders man just do not comply and if all of us do not comply then they have no power so it's important for us to remember that we do have power they'll try and convince you that we don't but we do it's it, it might not be you know, it might not be that much power, but when we get together collectively, we have uh, we have more power than than they have because there's far more of us than there are of them. So, so it's not all it's not all doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still optimism there, but it's like now is the time. Yeah, you know, and I think and, a lot of people feel that. And what I'm reminded of, and, and again, man, like you, you just say everything that I'm thinking and everything that I think is correct. You know, there's. These people are obviously operating under some kind of dark energy, whether it's Lucifer, whether it's Kronos or Black Cube of Saturn, whatever you want to call it. I mean, the devil has a bunch of different names. And, you know, I grew up in Christianity, so how I express the terminology is like demons and devil and Lucifer and shit like that. So, you know, that's that's just the verbology that I have for those kinds of things. So when you say that, I, I completely agree. They're obviously, you know, they they are working with some kind of dark entity that has promised them, you know, an afterlife or riches in this life uh, beyond their wildest dreams. And they got it. And, you know, they're, they're doing what uh, daddy says, but I'm I'm reminded of this one tinfoil hat podcast with Ryan Dawson. And he, uh, he was talking about how in like the late 1800s or early 1900s, um, the, there was this, mountain where all these coal miners worked at and the this corporation 
had all of these guys working in the in the coal mines and shit like that and you know the only places around where they could have a roof over their heads were these uh, cabins built by the corporation and then the only store that they could shop at was the store owned by the corporation and they got paid in script from the corporation so they couldn't go anywhere else and use this script the script could only be used at the store owned by the corporation and eventually you know people were going hungry unfair working conditions seven days a week fucking 16 hours a day breaking their backs in the coal mines they said enough of this bullshit and they killed a couple of the overseers they took to the mountains and the even the u.s military got involved and started like dropping bombs and shit like that and you know they held their own and, and eventually you know they didn't they didn't win but it set a precedent it said if you fuck with us we're going to unleash holy hell and that's where rednecks comes from because they had the red bandanas on their necks while they were working in the mines and shit but you know if they say if you fuck with us we're gonna unleash holy hell we're gonna you know do everything in our power and even if we lose we're gonna set a precedent for times to come and then you get all of these uh new regulations for workers rights and how you know there has to be a weekend and you can't work them more than 40 hours a week and all this stuff comes from one act of defiance so that's what this community needs we need to all get together in our in our different cities get together with other like-minded people and really take it bring the fire to these politicians feet and be like we're done we're done playing this game i've called all my local representatives and said that i'm done with the scam the cdc has released all this information saying this and i walk it through with them and then they just end up hanging the phone all right yeah. that didn't work it's time to go to his house it's time to be like, hey, man, like we're not leaving until you start agreeing like with what we have to say. You represent us. like You're the congressman for my district. It's time to start representing me because if you ask me, these elections are a sham. I mean, they don't, they don't actually count the votes. You know, they put in whoever they want, whoever is going to be the new young gun uh, for, the, for APAC or, you know, whatever it has to be. So... It just takes one act of, of defiance for us to really start changing the course. And maybe not for us, but maybe for future generations. For sure. And just to, to add one thing to that story about the, the, the corporation and the mining and all that. The corporation that owned that, that was doing all that, was the Rockefellers. Ah, circles back. And better. after that, they created the Rockefeller Foundation. Because they had so much bad publicity from that, when when they they wound up burning those miners in the camps, they wound up burning those camps down and killing a bunch of women and children, and, and it was a massacre. And they had such bad press that they started the Rockefeller. They were told they should start the Rockefeller Foundation as a way to as a cover story. And who else has done that? Who went through really bad press and started a foundation like that? Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yep. After the Microsoft antitrust lawsuit, they started the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation as a cover story to say, "I'm not a devious, you know, corporate scumbag maniac. I'm a philanthropist." And uh, and it reminds me of this scene in uh, "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia," where Charlie is trying to 
he's 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 trying to go he's going out on a date with this with this some woman and he's got his buddy is is trying is telling him you know he's sneaking off from date and, he's, and, and his buddy's sitting in the bar you know pretending he, he doesn't know him and he's saying tell him you're a philanthropist tell her you're a philanthropist all right and he's like okay okay i'll tell her i'm a philanthropist and he goes back to her and she's like so what do you do for a living and he's like i'm a full-on rapist <laughs> 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 that just reminds me. Whenever I hear Bill Gates, he's like, "I'm a philanthropist." I just keep thinking, "Full-on rapist," you know. <laughs> so it's it's uh, you're right. If we rise up, things change. Uh, if we don't rise up, things change too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's it's not in the direction that we want it to to, to go. So so um, look, I'm gl- I'm glad you had me on because I like talking about this stuff. I think it's important. I think it's I think we need to sort of spread this awareness. I know it sounds. You know, it's a bit heavy duty to, to get into these things, but it's like we have a cushy life here in America <laughs> compared to some places else. We can deal with heavy duty. Yeah, it's a heavy duty topic. That's okay. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about it because the problem is if we don't, if we outsource this to the media and the government to handle, if we outsource our critical thinking and our and all that, they're not going to do a very good job with it. We're going to get more of the same. So like we have to take responsibility for this. Or you know our for the situation we're in, we have to change it ourselves. We we can't sit around and wait for everybody else to to fix it. Half the people don't even know that we we have a big. They don't even know the problem that we have, let alone how how to get in there and advocate for us. So I think what you're doing is great, man. I think what you're talking, you know, talking to these people, and yeah, you're going to get hung up on <laughs> for sure. These people are going to hang up on on you, but 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 we we need them. We need we need them to to hear us. We need them to fear us. We need them to fear that their job goes away if we are unhappy with their uh, you know with what they're doing. And I think these days, right now, everybody's unhappy with with what the politicians are doing. None of them, very few of them, maybe Christy Nome in South Dakota. Yeah, she, people are liking her, but but she's getting credit for talking about normal, logical, rational things, and everyone's like, she's the best. It's like. In comparison to the rest of these people, you're right. She's the best. In comparison to where she should be, she should be baseline. It should be normal. That uh-huh. look where she's coming from shouldn't be revolutionary. It should be like, this is, yeah, of course, no masks. Of course, none of this nonsense. Of course, we're not shutting all this stuff down. But unfortunately, you know, the agenda speaks. And, uh, and we we see where they want us to go. And it's, it's, it's a... It's a dark winter. Oh, yeah. and that, oh, Fuck, that's a whole different topic yeah. we could launch into. But, Charlie, dude, I'm, I'm so glad I got you on, man. You're honestly on my Mount Rushmore of uh, oh, uh, dudes I love to listen to. I always think thank that you. you nail it. Your research is impeccable. And uh, I'm just really glad we had to have this conversation, and I can't wait to talk to you again in the future. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. For sure. Have a great day, man. All right, man. You too. See you.